0: when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
1: Knockback is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, The Hard Partying. Dagan Moriarty.
2: <laughs> we're going to party like it's 1999, oh, my God, friend. Thank
1: God. How excited were people in 1999 when they could finally use that song? That must have been huge. That must have been. I mean, you don't remember. I,
2: I, was, I don't remember. I don't remember. I remember being that joy being overtaken by the fear of Y2K. Oh, okay. that's where I remember about '99. Nice, just not knowing what was going to happen. I was amped up about Y2K.
1: <laughs> I was actually on my computer during the transition in my my room from 1999 to 2000. I was on the internet. Oh, you that were. time waiting to see what happened. But we really had already known. I think nothing was going to happen because I think New Zealand or whatever or Australia. Oh, on that's the right. Dateline would all their computers would changed first. So the guinea pigs. Right, exactly. But. <laughs> It was exciting because that was so for for our younger audience, the the Y2K thing was so built up for so long, since the mid 90s, that we expected that something horrifying was going to happen. And it was possible that really bad shit was going to happen, but they had figured out that bug with plenty of time to fix it. It was basically that the integers and dates and I think Unix or something wouldn't deal with the rollover from the 19th. I think they started with like 1970 or something. And yeah, they didn't know how to or the computers didn't know how to deal with it. But I think everything was fine. (laughs) <laughs> Everything's fine. Maybe it wasn't. It. Maybe it's everything perfect. went to shit and we actually ended up going into a simulation at that point. Or something. Oh,
2: I like that. Oh, you got a
1: little sci fi premise going on. A there. Little Matrixy, I like as it. it were. But Dave, today's episode of knockback is all about house parties, Woo-hoo. parties, going to parties as a youth. I think we're going to do middle school, high school and college parties. And OK, absolutely. And I have no notes for this oh. at all. I don't have my notebook at all. Keeping I'm it r- loose. Yeah, I'm just ready to talk about whatever like we want to talk about. We have plenty of inquiries from the audience. Remember, you can support us on uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Last where you can get early ad free access to every episode of Knockback, as well as the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas. Those inquiries will be sprinkled throughout this episode. And I actually think will be nice little markers from which we can talk about various topics, subtopics, let's say.
2: OK, you know,
1: if you have one, two, three, four, five, you might have the bullets, you know, little a, little b, little c. Right. Or the Roman numerals and whatnot. So we'll sure. use those in that sense. But, Dig, before we Sounds get like into it.
2: Let's do our opening segment. Okay, so guys, we're going to do a little Mad Libs, a little Mad Lib action. We got,
1: I got my book. I guess we should keep it dirty. Is that the. uh well, we, what do you got, think? I, mean, I want to the, ask your opinion on we've that. We've gotten some good ones from the, I think we got to keep it. I, this is the, you had brought up the point. Yes. And you're right that even as a youth doing Mad Libs, it always was funniest when you were inappropriate with yeah, them.
2: Yeah. When you peppered in the naughty
1: words. Right. So I'm not even going to pepper them in. It's just going to be <laughs> you're the, whole,
2: put the whole peppercorn. <laughs> I like it. All right. All right. We're going to take that. that ta- All right. If we're going to take that tact, we're going to take that strategy. I think this is going to, this one should be pretty funny. And I'll tell you the topic when we're done. Okay. Okay. So, Kyle, give me the name. Oh, God, this one again. Give me the... This says last name of a person in the room. Just give me a last name.
1: Give me a I'll uh, give you a last name. Let's not go in the room. All right. Not in the room. I need
2: two, actually.
1: Okay. Let's do Williams Okay. Uh, for our PJ. And let's do Narvaez for Ramon. All
2: right. I like it. I even know how to spell that one. Let's do... An adjective and then two plural nouns. An
1: adjective and two plural nouns. Please. Okay. Um, moist.
2: Okay. It's always a good And one. then what, the
1: other, what do you need? Two, two nouns? Two separate plural nouns. Plur, two separate plural nouns. Okay. Nipples. Okay. And
2: buttholes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to. This one here and this one here. Okay. okay. All right. Now I want to do call. Can we do an animal? <sighs> this is gonna get funny. Oh, plural. I'm sorry. Animal plural. Panda bears. Okay. Give me a celebrity call. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. And give me two more plural nouns, please. Two more plural nouns. Let's do this one is full of nouns. I oh know it's a
1: lot of nouns. Let's really do is. mouths. Okay. And. hmm,
2: Grundles. Okay. I'm really trying not to read these. I'm really just trying to put the word in. Okay. I need three more items, Kyle. Two more nouns and one more plural noun.
1: Okay. Two more nouns and one more plural noun. Nipple clamps or nipple clamp. Nipple clamp. Got it. Let's see here. Um,
2: whip. Okay.
1: Nice. And then what do you need? An adjective? No. Now I need a plural noun. A plural noun. I'm sorry. Okay. And that's, um, it. And that's it. Okay.
2: Hair. All right. All right, my friend. Title of this one. Rock music. Okay. Kind of plays into our party yeah. theme a little bit. Rock on, brother. Yes. <laughs> young people today would rather listen to a good rock music concert than to Johann Sebastian Williams or Ludwig von Nervaez. Oh, okay. Rock music is played by moist groups of young men who, who wear their hair below their nipples. That's They're true. They also wear... That's actually true. Yeah. I don't know about the moist part. There, maybe a little bit. Could be true. They also wear very odd and colorful buttholes and often have beards. The groups have attractive names, such as the Panda Bears or Angelina Jolie and the Three Mouths. We got away with murder on that one. We really did. We got through that one. They usually play electric grundles. Whoa. One member of the group may sit on a raised platform and set the rhythm by beating his nipple clamp. (laughs) The songs they sing... Are mostly about some fellow who has been rejected by his whip. They are very sad. And when young girls hear them, they often get tears in their hair. That was a really weird one. I figured something out while reading this Mad Lib. Yeah. There needs to be more... Of your own personal insertions in here. Right. If you go too long, if you go even three quarters of a sentence without putting one in, it's not funny. Yo, I agree. I agree with you. And they, they, I think that's, they messed this up. I would, Madlib, I would expect you to know better since this is the 50 years of Mad Libs. You've been doing this for 50 years. You don't know better than that. Man,
1: you actually bought that with your own money, huh?
2: Listen, Madlib, give me a call. I'll consult. You want to write Mad Libs? I, I think I would
1: rather kill myself than have to really? be an author of a Mad Libs, Yeah. You're really just writing.
2: You could write anything, and, it and just uh, take words out.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You could. You could. That's it. Yeah, it's not just a very probably not a very hard job actually. No, that's why it's so, that's why we're so disappointed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do better, Mad Libs.
1: That's what makes this so Be hard. Be better. So, Dig, house parties. Now, this was on your list. This was yeah. not. I don't think something that the audience voted for. So. What made you want to explore this topic?
2: Well, you know, I like, I should say we like to trickle in those topics that are more personal. Maybe that would adhere more to personal anecdotes our experiences growing up. In a nostalgic way, our personal stories, something that could lead to funny stories, and just growing up. And I like to to pepper in those topics with all the media stuff and the nerdy stuff we talk about. And I know you enjoy it too. So I thought the house party thing would be interesting. It's going to be... What's fun is it's nice to go down memory lane and think about these things. But also, as you kind of iterated already a little bit, you hinted at, you could do this in stages because it really starts in junior high school and then progresses to high school and then college. And I would say – I would argue you could even go beyond college. We started to talk about this a little bit on a separate podcast this week that you know, just the house party thing in general. I think you could go a lot of different ways with it. I certainly have some funny remembrances – of those times, especially the earlier ones, and it's interesting. Like I have, ne- I have a daughter and I have ne- a nephew that are g- getting to be this age now, so I'm actually horrified about this.
1: Yeah, it's a little scary. Although your kids don't strike me, I mean, Graydon's a little young, but Lilia doesn't strike me as, like she's going to be a bad girl or anything. like
2: No, that. I don't. Maybe I mean, maybe would, she will be. I don't know, but I certainly hope not. Because you got you guys give them
1: first of all they're they're pretty spoiled. And they have a lot of lev. There's a lot of levity in their lives because they're. It doesn't. They do well in school. They kind of get what they want. They get rewarded, and and it's kind of just this symbiotic relationship. I don't, yeah. In other words, I don't think that there's like any reason for them to act out. You know, yeah. they're, they're not without. They're not held down. You know, there's not a chastity belt or anything they like have that. Attention. You know, they you get it's attention. not crazy like that. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, you would hope. I mean, every parent yeah. hopes. Who knows how right, people right. go wrong? Look at me. I went way off the deep end. I know you
1: were a complete fuck up. out of my mind. Fucking loser. <laughs> well, we were saying, actually, we were talking to Aaron about a situation with you, about when you got grounded. And I remember this when I was a kid, you got grounded for a month for going to like some warehouse yeah. to hang out with some girls and skate and whatever. Right. And I was saying what's ironic is that I'm actually probably out of the four Moriarty kids, the second worst one growing up. Which is funny because I think Allie, we can all agree Allie was the worst.
2: <laughs> Shouts out to Shout Allie. Shout out to
1: Allie. And then she wouldn't she wouldn't deny that, I don't think. And then it's, I think, a big line down to me. Yeah. And then I think it's a big line down to you and Dana. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when
2: I didn't, even didn't think about
1: my stuff, I'm like, I wasn't that bad. You like, didn't do very much. No, I did, some, I did some fucked up shit, but not, you know, I was involved in some chicanery, <laughs> let's say, you know, but it wasn't, uh, no individuals got hurt. Right. Some property got hurt.
2: Yes, and, I know exactly what some of the stuff you're thinking of.
1: And uh, you I learned from it really quick. I was really woefully embarrassed about it in the moment at the time. Yeah. So that was a that was a learning lesson for me. I'm talking about I got in trouble when I was a kid for smashing mailboxes.
2: Yes, I remember this.
1: And that was probably the I was in 11th grade. And that was probably the worst thing I had ever done. That was 11th, okay. Yeah, I used okay. to use an empty propane tank and holy shit. Hold it out of a whip my friend's back jeep and it would the air it was empty so the air would like the the aerodynamics would like lift it up so you didn't have to like do anything and then it would just what you did. and then it would just obliterate <laughs> fucking obliterate mailboxes. Oh my god. And I say it it's funny in hindsight but and I'm I like to be honest with the audience I was a, that was a fucking prick move and we got in trouble for it and we it was one older woman specifically where we we ruined her mailbox. I mean, I'm telling you this because it's embarrassing to me, and the audience might as well know. So yeah, and I think I might have told the story in the past, but we went and replaced our mailbox and apologized to her, and we never did any of that kind of shit again. But I, that I, was it. and I was 16. I I think I just turned 16 So I went in the yeah. 11th grade when that I was would fi- be the right I age. was uh, went in 11th grade when I was 15, I believe. So, uh, which was not not that not terribly uncommon. So yeah, I I had my dickheaded kind of shit that I that I did. But nothing really untoward after that, actually. That was like nothing worth writing about. Yeah. And that was what? That was 18 years ago. Wow. So that was in 2000, I want to say. 2001. Okay. 2000, I think it was 2000. Summer 2000.
2: So that gave you, yeah, that implanted like a deep remorse for you. Yeah, it was
1: incredibly remorseful for it. I was like, what? Like, we were stoned and drunk. and Yeah,
2: you're not thinking about people's personal property. You're not thinking about too. anything, you're but that it's funny.
1: It, and I got to say. Except the humor. We talk about the influence uh, you know, can people be influenced to do things from movies or television shows? Like, yeah. to be fair, I was influenced by a, tel- a movie to do that. Can you name the movie?
2: Mailbox Baseball.
1: No, the only thing
2: I think about. No, I, I can't.
1: Stand By Me. Oh, of course. I mean, 100 percent. I would have never even known that was a thing without Stand By Me.
2: Oh, that's what showed you. That's I what guess showed me. Yeah. A lot of people probably got it from that. They had to have.
1: So it's not like we went around multiple neighborhoods and destroyed 100 mailboxes, but we did did it to a few houses yeah. and definitely got away with a few, I'm sure. And uh, it was a fucked up and stupid thing to do, you know. So that uh, was about the worst I ever got. These different parties that I attended in high school and in college. Yeah. College party. By the time I was in college, you're an adult. I went to some ragers in college for sure. High school, things were a little more timid or I shouldn't say timid. That's not the right word. Tepid is the word I should say. Okay. What what were your experiences with the whole party scene growing up? And what were you how were you injected into it?
2: It's so funny. Like the line. Of demarcation between like really like the innocence of childhood, like playing with toys, for instance, we talk about on this podcast a lot to like actually going to parties. And then later on, a short time later, like school dances and stuff. It just it happens overnight. It hap- It's so funny that it leaves me with a sense of melancholy a little bit more so than maybe some other things, because it's like really happens over a summer. Where a kid sort of goes from playing with toys and being a kid, and you know, whatever it is at that, especially in the 80s, you know, when I was of this age, watching cartoons and stuff, to like, you know, being involved with girls and trying to get in social, you know, certain social cliques and who you're going to sit with in the cafeteria, so on and so forth. So I think about how rapidly first of all how rapidly it happened in my life it was like overnight where it was like all right I'm in seventh grade for me it was seventh grade it was 1986 I guess to 87 and I was 12 years old and 12 to 13 I guess and it was for me also a period of my life before I really had any direction socially and before I had any really any interests outside of those childhood interests like toys and cartoons and comics and all that kind of stuff in other words, it's about a year before I started skateboarding. So I was really meandering just trying to hang out with the popular kids. I remember really like being that cloying, like trying to hang out, sit at the popular table. But I was, I was like in a subgroup of the popular table in the cafeteria. And just how that fascination with all the social aspects of being that age, especially girls, became like a prominent part of my life. And that was the year, that winter, the winter of seventh grade, I guess it was the winter, it was 1986 or early 87. That was the first time I went to a house party. And that's where it starts for me. That's my very, I want to talk about that specific experience for me, my very first house party in seventh grade, because I remember it so vividly, man. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, it well, how, well. Do
1: you, how do you define house party? Because to me, house party seems to insinuate no parents, Yeah, no knowledge of it happening, alcohol maybe drugs later on right i didn't have there weren't drugs around me in early in high school there were plenty of drugs around me by the end of high school and in college i mean it was like out of fucking control i think i saw people do literally pounds of coke in front of me
2: wow you got well you got to talk about
1: and that. and yeah that well yeah we'll get to that so are your is your definition the same way in other words it's not like you're going over to a person's house and hit, hanging out in this in the finished basement with like a bowl of lays potato chips right and, coca-cola or something. no this i is think like, it
2: did start out that way kyle okay i think it did start out that way but there was a there was a line a really pronounced line between like a child's birthday party right like you would go to chuck e cheese or you would go to the whatever the roller rink i'm dating myself with that one the arcade or even a kid's party at home at their house with balloons and pin the tail on the donkey and snacks and all that kind of stuff there was almost a little bit of a transition in seventh grade because the first party I ever went to is my friend Maria's house. I won't say her last name, but my friend Maria, I was really friendly with her. And she lived in the neighborhood right across from my elementary, uh, right across from my junior high school. I went to Bellport Middle School. She lived in Bellport right outside the village in that neighborhood right across the street. And that was, it was her birthday party. Again, it was in the winter. I'm not sure what month was. But I remember that very specific look and feel and sound and attitude of that time. I remember... Living on the Prayer, Bon Jovi's Living on the Prayer was like definitely like one of the most popular songs. That was like the top of the Casey K. Some top 40 at that point. That song was red hot, dude. I remember the acid wash jeans. Everybody had like Converse and just the styles and like the way everybody looked and the way everybody, it was sort of like everybody was starting to pay attention to what they wore. They were getting to that age, even the boys. And going to Maria's party, and already having an interest in girls. I think my interest in girls really probably started I, I was always I always thought girls were pretty and stuff like that, right. where I would admire girls. But sixth grade was probably where I started. There was some sort of a, it sounds embarrassing to say it this way, but some sort of sexual component where you yeah. don't I didn't know what sex was yet. I could say that. I probably In sixth grade you didn't understand? In sixth grade huh. I still thought sex was laying on top of a girl and pushing her boobies up and <laughs> down. <laughs> I've ever talked about <gasps> oh, that. Oh no. Yeah, yeah I, you gotta tell me. I about thought that. that was humping. I thought humping was pressing a girl's boobs up and down.
1: <laughs> oh, well that makes sense because they're because hu- they're, they're humps. Because they're humps. See, that's a kind of a clever little try. That's a
2: funny, that's that's endearing. You gotta understand. I didn't get the birds and the bees talk. No, none I didn't of us get did. it ever. None of us did. And none of us did, and I didn't get it up to sixth grade, certainly. So Mom and Dad could
1: still think that I don't know what sex is to this day.
2: <laughs> they could very well I, yeah. I feel the same way. Right. Going to seventh grade, I must have got it from media of some sort, whether it was watching cable movies or just hanging out with friends. You know, again, we talk about the stack of Playboy magazines in the woods. Everybody has those same experiences, so you kind of get it. But yeah, I remember being in sixth grade and walking around still thinking that was humping. So I was very new to the whole idea of what sex was and everything. But, you know, just thinking girls are pretty and thinking you want to hang out with girls and maybe start getting into dating.
1: Right. Isn't it funny, by the way, how... We identify very young, the pretty girls. We're chasing the girls around the playground or whatever the case yes. might be because they're pretty. Very or young.
2: Kindergarten. It's very preschool. interesting
1: how the brain operates like that. It slowly introduces different components of attraction yeah. that lead to sex uh, when you get older. And, and those I,
2: instincts I, are there.
1: Yeah. I find that very fascinating. Like the it's it's That's why I always get so frustrated about that. It's not really a conversation anymore, but about the being gay as a choice, right? Right. It's like, well, if that's true, that's fine. But- what like we, i never made the choice to be attracted to jessica or whoever in the elementary playground i had no idea why i thought she was so pretty right or like right, why right. i wanted to chase her around or whatever right that was so, just part of your makeup right exactly so it's the same thing i think with homosexuality obviously and so i'm always so fascinated by that about how evolution and and the mind just slowly and and capably introduces the different components it's that lead you to lead you to everyone gets led to the same conclusion, whether absolutely. you're with a man or a woman or whatever. But.
2: It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. You're right. I mean, and you could think of that. And I have very distinct memories of chasing the girls around the playground and being chased around the playground, first grade, kindergarten. You're the same way. Yeah, I
1: remember that too. You yeah. know, you have really,
2: it's, it's so... I remember the girl.
1: I remember her name. I don't, I don't even remember like... W- her any more after elementary school because I left for a while and then I came back. So she might have been around, but I don't remember who it was. But her name was Jessica, I remember.
2: And I I thought she was really pretty. And they're so, you know, people change so much. Right. Isn't it funny is thinking that the house party thing is just an extension of that? Right. Exactly. And we talked about how I had my first kiss
1: in third grade with a girl named Nicole, who I did. I do know. and, and, And I don't talk to her anymore, but I know who she is. And but it like that had no sexual component to it at all. I don't even know like what that you know like when you're thinking about your primitive third grade mind, right? It's like what what was that? What was it? I know. Why did that feel like that was something that needed to happen, and that that was it? And and a lot of people have that similar experience. Very fascinating. It is. Yeah.
2: You could talk about that for hours. We're such it's so it's so interesting, right? Like men. With a human, the human body, the human mind, no matter what men get smart enough to create, there's nothing more complicated and complex than what we are, than how we come out of the womb. Isn't that weird? It's very interesting. Nothing could transcend that. It's that sort of, I mean, maybe with robot, maybe robots will someday.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some <laughs> suggestion futurists think that we are amongst the final biological generations before we, we get smart enough to realize we don't even need these bodies to live. That's you
2: know? craziness.
1: That it's actually like what's holding us back is the, bo- the, bo- the human <laughs> right, body. Right, exactly,
2: right. Oh, my goodness. We're going to keep this in house parties for so my mind yeah, yeah, so let's get back to Maria. So Maria. So here was the pitfall with Maria. She was a great girl, and I remember being really good friends with her, and I had a crush on one of her friends, Lisa. But the problem with me with Maria's house party was I went with my friends. I think my friend John was with me, who I grew up with. I'm pretty sure we experienced – we definitely experienced this time together. But I'm sure I'm pretty sure he was at this house party with me, and it's such an interesting time for a lot of reasons. But the pitfall for me was Maria had a crush on me, and she was hosting the party, and I knew that that would get in the way of me maybe talking to Lisa or me just having fun in general because I heard rumors that there was going to be like things that I had ne- I had never done before, but I knew about like spin the bottle and stuff, and I didn't want to get caught up in that, so. I went, and you know We have to talk about this, call as the setting for many of these early house parties in our lives, the finished basement. Yes, of course. The phenomenon of the finished basement. Of course, it's what I brought up earlier. That's what I always think about, right? So I think what happens, why this is a transition in this time period from the, a typical kid's birthday party with balloons and the clown and the chips and the cake and all that kind of stuff, was that the parents were still home. They were just upstairs. So it was the first time we were able to have that independence, was just being on that separate floor by ourselves and maybe the parents would come and check in once in a while but probably not you know probably just leave your kids down there alone to have the party for three or four hours or whatever it was and that's what i remember so well about this time period was it seemed like every single party was in a finished basement which was always kind of cool to me because we never had a finished basement no. my best friend tommy had a finished basement spent a lot of time playing down there but Parties in without the finished basement, I feel like this whole conversation wouldn't even exist.
1: Well, it reminds me, you know what I have the imagery of, too, because obviously I experienced that as well. But it also reminds me of like, it seems like that was a common thing, like Wonder Years, for instance. They always had finished basements in that universe, let's say. Right. So this was a common phenomenon of people going down and making out and trying to get away from the parents. Get away from the parents. And this is the funny time, too, right, Dave, where you assume your parents are like not in on the game, but they kind of are in on it in absolutely. some way. Like you think your parents are fucking morons. Absolutely.
2: absolutely. Like they have no
1: idea what's happening.
2: As an adult now, and especially as a parent now, you could look back and be like, you know, feel like back then you were getting something over on them. I would say you would almost never getting something over on them. They knew they just were either detached enough from the situation or able to start providing you with a little bit of independence and a little bit of freedom. Yeah. And ba- space baby steps. You know, but that was always the big thing with the basement party. It makes sense to me in retrospect because they could still be around. The parents could still be present. There was some sort of supervision, but it was a little more detached than being a younger kid. So we were starting to get our feet wet with that independence, which is, which is really funny. It's actually quite a, quite a warm memory. Now, that party specifically was pretty harrowing for me, actually, because there was Spin the Bottle. I did play, and that's where I had my first real kiss. And it was with Maria. Oh. And again, I knew I could have I told you exactly how this was going to play out. And that's why, even though it was fun and it was a fun memory, I kind of knew that my first experience would be tainted because it was going to go a certain way. Because I couldn't, I felt. I think I felt like, thinking back, I think I felt like it was her party and she was my friend and she was the host. So I couldn't really be rude. I couldn't really say no. <laughs> and she was pretty aggressive, although she was really fun. She was really fun and funny. She wasn't you know sinister in any way but she was like really aggressive italian girl her last name and everything so she was always struck me as the type that i was it was going to happen there and she was going to make it happen and if i was going to go then i better deal with the premise of that happening, right right okay the, the well, were you attracted to her at all not at all not at all and i don't mean to be mean but i was zero percent attracted to her not a, not even a little bit but I knew getting wrapped up in the game of spin the bottle, that was gonna be the possibility. And you know what's funny, dude? Like maybe it was rigged. Yeah, did they engineer it? Maybe her and her friends engineered it somehow. I remember that also that idea of that game Seven Minutes in Heaven being introduced at that party. I remember people being in the closet together that's so, and stuff like that's that. That's so
1: weird because I remember that too, but I don't I never participated in it.
2: No, I don't know I don't remember ever participating in that either.
1: And my only my only exposure to it other than seeing, I guess, some people do it or like whatever they were doing in there was on tv you always see that and it's always like them awkwardly sitting in the closet pretending through the peer pressure that they right that's always the outcome
2: you could just do you don't know people ultimately don't know what you're doing in there you could be or could not be doing what they think you're doing right peer pressure is so weird it is it's so strange and you're so susceptible to it at that age oh yeah you're just a sponge for it
1: isn't it funny like i like how your mind matures and we grow And I think I think it's common now with social media. I think I've realized that everyone cringes when they think back at their childhood. It's like a really common thing. And I often said that I really didn't become an adult, really an adult until I was 25. And before that, I cringe on a lot of shit, but including my whole college career and all of that. But it's so funny when you think back, it's like, what do I give a fuck about any of this? (laughs) It's so weird. Like it's so your mind matures and snaps to at some point. You're like, what the fuck? It's funny to think back at it, but it's. It's kind of sad about the way you think you could have done things a little bit more or a little bit better or have a little bit, stand up for yourself a little bit more. Or realize that none of it really matters anyway. And, right. And, and such. But it matters so much at the time.
2: Dude, it's I mean, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's such a crazy time and how much you put, how much stock at, at that age that you put into your social standing. I remember being seventh grade was such a weird year for me. And I was talking about this with you earlier in the week. It's the first, because I have a seventh grader now and she's doing really well in school, but that's the first year that I really took a downturn academically and stopped caring. And for whatever reason, mom and dad didn't really push me that hard to like make sure you do your homework. I mean, I'm sure there was some of that. I, I, I know there was some of that. Study for the test, do your homework type of thing, but I just started to really lose interest in school. And again, it was a sort of a, it felt like a really floating year because it was before I found my primary source of interest that I, that would take me through to college in skateboarding and just feeling like my whole identity was wrapped in my acceptance from other people who I really had no, even though most of these kids I had been, many of the kids I had been in school with for a long time and many since kindergarten, they didn't really mean much to me except I wanted their acceptance. I wanted to sit at their lunch table. I wanted to be with them and that type of thing. And that, didn't on, work, and that didn't work out for you? No, it did. It did to a certain degree. I have to say, I was friends with those kids. I did sit at the popular table. I sat in the same... I sat, I sat with those kids in French class. I remember being somewhat accepted by those kids, but I remember also feeling... Like later on, it felt so much better when I found skateboarding, maybe was in it for a year. So by ninth grade, it was almost like a, I had a really, a much more fuck, much more comfortable fuck you mentality in that this is who I am and everybody knows it. And I was comfortable in that. And if anybody defied that, then I was very comfortable. In my, I became comfortable in my skin in ninth grade, probably after skateboarding for a year. Cause that's how everyone got to know. That's how everyone perceived me then. And I was very comfortable with that because that's what I loved. But before I had that, it was just that that sense, looking back, that sense of agita of like, that's what I hung everything on. You know, what I was wearing, where I was sitting. I went through a whole year of that or more because I didn't find skateboarding probably until the spring of eighth grade. So, you know, I think of that time period as a very, you know, as a, it, it gives me almost gives me butterflies to think back to that. And it makes me feel bad that kids would get hung up in that because, Again, you're so susceptible. You're like this robot at that age. You want to pound it into kids that they don't have to be that way or feel that way. But I think you have to, I think in many ways you have to go through that. Right.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. <laughs> I have fully. or help you compare quotes for multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit angie.com. That's ANGI.com.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how you how you change. And I, I think I was much more prude and much slower to the game than you were. And I've talked about that in the past. Like, I don't even I don't remember real. I had my first like real girlfriend in 10th in 10th grade. She was in 11th grade. Yeah. And we went to Northeastern together. I I talked about her a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But before that point, I, I there were there was this one girl, Kelly, that was that I was like really attracted to that. I had like such a huge crush on and throughout high school. And in looking back on that, I always thought she was like too cool for me. And in looking back on it, I'm like, I kind of dropped the ball there. Like we probably could have been an item. It's very God. it's very interesting.
2: We got to talk about that whole phenomenon of dropping the ball.
1: Oh, I dropped the ball a million times, like a million times, <laughs> especially in college. Just constant because that's when everyone is just just wants to fuck, basically. Right. Right? And wants to just, like it's just not like you were talking about aggressive girls, like the most aggressive uncomfortable situations where I don't want to, you know, and, and, and in hindsight, it's like, it's like, why didn't she want to do like, why didn't she want that? That's right. so weird. Yeah. You know that, that you, you were 19 or 20 and this girl just wanted to basically jump all over you. And like, ne- and then basically that was the end of it. And where she was would you probably head never at, see right? her again? You know, and like you're just like, oh, I'm good. And I, I, I have no regrets in that way because I, I don't have many, I didn't have many sexual partners and, uh, fewer than a dozen, I would say, which is nothing compared to a lot of my friends. And, you know, whether they say the number is real or not, uh, so, yeah, it's funny how those things kind of adapt and how you move into those. But the finished basement is such a good memory for me, too, because Mike Pope, my best friend growing up and he lived across the street from us, he had a finished basement and we were always down there. And I just remember the staircase coming down and you, uh, we got to know the noise of someone walking to the door right. and they would often his parents were great. Skip and flow. They're great people. And they were in on the game. Especially when we were in college, they were totally in on what we were doing. I mean, we were stoned all the time. Right. We would just we would like go smoke weed like a blunt and then go get like ragtime pizza and then just sit down and watch like nature documentaries in the (laughs) living room. Like it was so obvious. It was like three in the afternoon (laughs) on like a Thursday.
2: Now, were they vocal about knowing?
1: Yeah, sometimes they were. They just their whole thing was just do your work and like take care of your business. And um, it doesn't really matter what you do. Right. But I remember that basement so specifically because we had a lot of get togethers and parties and sleepovers and whatever the case might be down there. And it's funny because I still remember Kelly walking down that staircase for a party. Like, I still remember it. And she, like, looked so cute, I remember. And, like, having such a crush on her and, yeah. and being so uh, handcuffed about what, you know, what you're 14 years old or whatever. Like, what are you supposed to do? And, right. I, and, and nothing came of it. Nothing ever came of it between us, which is such a shame because it's like, well, I guess not a shame, but it's just interesting. That's a really interesting what if in my life. Well, you got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Lolita's here with us, so not not everything revolves around you, Lolita.
2: We're Talking about horse, house parties, Loli. I know you don't know
1: anything you about know it. About this, subject. sit down. So, Dig, let's kind of segue into a conversation about how these parties evolved. I'm interested okay. in through your high school career, and then as you get into college. I mean, how did these parties indelibly change? How did the complexion change? Because I remember. I really remember in high like college parties all felt the same to me. They were a lot of wild parties, and they didn't really change from ninth grade or, or from freshman year through senior year. There, the cast of characters changed and stuff, but the complexion of the parties were really pretty similar in the sense that they were a little bit wild, right? Often kegs, lots of booze, right? No scarcity of weed, no scarcity of coke if that was you're into, or mushrooms or whatever you wanted to do, pills, a lot of that kind. Not that every party had that, but a lot of parties did, and. So the college party is a little bit easier to talk about because they're all kind of the same. The the high school parties from like ninth and tenth grade and then what happened in eleventh and twelfth grade and the summer after you graduate and stuff. Those there's yeah, a big
2: That's true quantum leap between those. And so how did they change for you? Well, it did change. It definitely changed. It changed in a few different ways that I wanted to talk about. You know what else happened to me at that first at that first party, Kyle? I just well, remembered yesterday. To you no, on. I totally I totally should bring this up because it was a, You'd think it would have put me off of house parties forever. I got, like, my first wedgie. Like, somebody decided to, and, like, my boxer shorts were ripped off my body, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And I had these boxer shorts. Like, I wore boxer shorts from a very early age. And back then, I guess it was a little harder. Like, it was all about briefs and boxer briefs. And boxer shorts weren't a, a thing like they are today yet. There wasn't like a huge thing where everybody wore boxer shorts and it was weird if you didn't wear them. And I think I had like prescription boxer shorts because they were so hard to get. And for some reason I had to wear them because I got rashes on my thighs or something. So I still had these little kid boxer shorts. And I think that's what I was wearing. (laughs) And they were like literally in somebody's hand. (laughs) But and I think they were older kids because Maria had older brothers but you know what? I oh, got, so they, they targeted you because maybe they knew that I she had no a crush I have no idea. You but something. you know what? They did it in a spot where nobody really ended up... I got really lucky because no one ended up really seeing it. It was like in the back corner of the space. I remember it was like near the closet where everybody was doing the seven minutes of heaven or whatever it was called. And... Nobody ended up really seeing it, so it was fine. But I remember going commando for the second half of the party. Wow, you that's, know, like, that's pretty cool. That's it was pretty pre- bold. It was
1: pretty crazy. That's pretty that's a, that's a scary kind of thing. You got you don't know what's going to happen. At that. No, point.
2: and I have that could have been really humiliating. Do you ever think about how
1: audacious the name like seven minutes in heaven is like, what do you know about fucking seven minutes of heaven? No, when you're
2: 12. I know Are you crazy. And how does this stuff get <laughs> passed down? I don't That's the other phenomenon.
1: I want is it still a thing do people still play spin the bottle and do 7 know. minutes and have I'm it?
2: assuming so. I'm assuming so unless I mean how do those things change? Spin the bottle is probably I we, I shoulda really researched that a little bit. That's probably really old. I mean that might have even been brought over here from Europe. That I mean that that could be ages old. Yeah, Europeans are weird as shit so they, they probably bring some Super some stuff kinky. over here. Yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean though, yeah. who knows. But so from going from junior high now, junior high had some crazy parties. the 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 craziest thing, or the most, I guess, the most memorable thing that could have happened at a junior high party, party besides those early memories with girls and spin the bottle, whatever, were fights. That already started to probably happen in seventh and eighth grade wow. at junior high parties, where it would be. And I have to say, too, depending on the neighborhood, because, again, Colin and I went to school with a, a great mix of people as far as social standing and how much money their families had and stuff like that. We went to school with some really rich and some really poor and some really in between. So we had all kinds. And some of the more trashy families, I would say, I already remember being in eighth grade and being at house parties where the parents weren't there. And that was always really pronounced by the fact that they weren't in the basement. It might have just been in the main floor of the house or even outside on the back patio. Maybe it was a pool party in the summertime or towards the end of the spring. So I remember that already being a memory, especially in eighth grade. Not only the parents not being around, but we'll discuss this too. The parents seemingly providing the kegs and the beer. Mm, yeah. I, I, I right? Yeah, right. And kids smoking. Mm-hmm. And then the fight, the fights. That That was already a thing in eighth grade. And I I remember that so succinctly because we had a lot of what we would call back then in the 80s, the headbanger kids. So they were the heavy metal kids or even the hard rock kids, later the hair metal kids who had the denim jacket with the patch on the back. And they just hung around in groups like any other clique. And those were always the kids that were smoking cigarettes. So that was already a really profound memory for me too. so Well, what were people fighting about? Were these like violent fights? Yeah, just all out fistfights, usually between guys. And usually between, you know, I don't, who knows what even started some kind of beef that started in school that I guess would, you know, make its way back to the the party. And when we started to get older in high school, that started to get dangerous because I think because of two things, I think now people had cars, whether those kids had cars or maybe they had older friends with cars, you could bridge the school districts. And we were in a pretty big school district ourselves. So kids were from like four or five different towns that went to just our high school. Now, kids that had problems with each other might have more access to each other because they're getting driven around. So now that fighting became a thing. I remember going to a par- parties over a specific period of time, like eighth, which was still junior high school for us, eighth through like tenth or eleventh grade, where it was always about a fight. It didn't even matter if it was you know we'll get into going to parties in other school districts and stuff. That was always a that always seemed like a key component of any night. There was going to be a fight. And, you know, it was going to be a thing where it started inside and they take it outside. And that was another thing, too, where the cops would get involved, whereas my first experience with cops getting involved. So not that much changed from eighth through high school parties, I would say, except the scale of them. You know, again, kids had access to cars. It wasn't just their parents driving them around like the early junior high parties where you had that component of, again the the parents sort of acting as guardians because they were the ones picking up and dropping off so they had some kind of eyes on the situation the high school parties some became where the parents and this you know the supervision wasn't involved at all anymore you know the parents might have been away Now you got kids coming in cars. You got kids coming from other places. You have maybe even older kids that weren't even in high school coming to the party. So the scale changed. The scope changed. These became huge things with hundreds of people now. That was the biggest thing I remember. And then, of course, the amount of alcohol, the amount of cigarettes, the amount of weed. It's funny. I don't remember ever seeing any other drugs except for pot, except for weed at these parties. Yeah, not in high school. school.
1: Not in high school. What about you? Same thing? Yeah, just a lot of weed and I have this really it's funny, man, because I have this went to Medford for a party, which is a town by us where we our neighbor Avenue uh, house was sure. in the 70s and early 80s. Yep. And I have a really specific memory of going to a house party there. I know the guys whose house it was still. And the mom, I, I remember this so well. There were a few kids who I didn't know that were I think I was probably in tenth through 11th grade. These were probably like 12th graders that were sitting around a table and one of them was preparing a Dutch to smoke a blunt. For people that don't know, blunt smoking is obviously a tradition all over the United States and I'm sure all over the world. But in New York and in Long Island in the Tri-State, we smoke Dutch Masters or Dutches, vanilla Dutches specifically, and they require preparation. You have to gut them. You have to it, it's a whole process. You can go look on YouTube. It's, it's not easy to do. It's not like rolling a joint. It's actually quite obnoxious, but the flavor of it is excellent and it burns really slowly. And especially when you're smoking shitty weed that was probably grown in like a queen's warehouse. You have to smoke like a <laughs> lot of it to get stoned. And I remember the kids rolling it at this table as the mom was there and knew everything. and I was, I remember that I have that image in my mind. I'm like, "Wow, this is pretty crazy because this was in 2000 or something. It was long before weed was this thing that was above board and you can go and buy it now in stores and get it delivered to you. It was, it was still very illegal and we were young, when we were kids. And that reminded me or showed me at that time that yeah, parents are in on the game sometimes. And I've I mean, I'm not going to call any names out, but I've been to plenty of parties in high school where parents knew exactly what was going on and might not have provided the liquor or the beer because, as I said, we had we could get liquor and beer pretty easily during my generation. As I said, there was a Seven Eleven that sold it to us, and there was like (laughs) a gas station liquor store that, or like I never got carded ever. I was like a a little boy, basically going in and buying this stuff. (laughs) They
2: didn't give a fuck. So different now.
1: And so that wasn't an issue for me. Yeah. But it was the parents kind of winking and nodding along with it that I always found really mysterious. And our parents would never do something like that, I don't think. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's a bad thing to do. Yeah. I think that that's always a morally gray and really interesting dynamic. I'd be interested to hear more of you about this, of the whole idea of like, well, I'd rather you be here doing it and knowing what you're doing. That's
2: exactly the philosophy, I would assume.
1: But it's like, how can you condone it and how can you trust the kids not to rat you out and not tell someone that makes you look like an asshole? Because that's the other side of the coin is you don't realize the pressure you're putting on the older people around you by doing shit like that around them. Right. And that you kind of have to bust it up. Ain't no one doing that shit around me. Right. You know? And so and I'm not a, I'm not a, an, a parent, but if I, you know, our nieces and nephews are whatever right tried that shit around me. I don't think that that would be something that I would allow to happen. So, yeah, I, I always found that interesting as well. And I always remember that woman, that mom standing in the kitchen as that guy's rolling that blunt. I was like, this is really quite interesting. And I remember that night, too, because uh, this guy, Mike, rode up in his car and he had PlayStation 2s. Or no, they were PS1s in his trunk, like two PS1s that where you like lifted the trunk up and then there oh, were like, so these two TVs. The so it was like, so ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think about that stuff sometimes where I'm like, what were people doing during that, that Fast and the Furious Age. Exactly. Where people like were really spending a lot of money, like pimping out their cars, but in these really trivial ways that are like ridiculous. Now, Like every every car comes with like monitors in them now and stuff like that. But that was like a big thing. People were getting like huge. They weren't even flat screens necessarily. Some of them were like just shallow CRTs and stuff, you know, like. Yeah, at that time it was. But I remember him playing like it was like it might have been PS2 actually because I think he was playing a spec or something like that. It might have been the next year. And I so I remember that from that same night as well. I was like, "Wow, this is fucking cool, That's man!" Great, and he had like lights under his car, the green glow. Of course, I the, got the green effects. glow under my car. <laughs> as a hot action cop would say. So yeah, I remember that, and I, and so, but it's funny because high school parties were are so quaint compared to what was happening at Northeastern and around Northeastern. Oh yeah, well, you and you I'm sure,
2: now. You take it to the next level.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure, and and those parties are what uh, are what you see in the movies to some extent is what I are the things that not I experience every weekend or whatever. And my friends like Ramon, uh, I'm sure experienced it much more because he was always out partying. I was much more of a reserved partier, yeah. especially my freshman year. I didn't do much of that. But as I got older in my sophomore and middler year, I because uh, Northeastern has middle year for people that don't know is a five year school. And uh, that's when I started to loosen up a little bit more. And I had a girlfriend for most of my college career and stuff. So that kind of held me back as well. Probably, that's true. It, probably a huge mistake. <laughs> Actually, it definitely was a huge mistake. <laughs> I hear that. Um, you know, just from a sexual experience point of view, at the very least, yeah, but also just, just, just exploring yeah. you want,
2: when you want. Yeah,
1: exactly. That was that was probably not that was not, not smart. But still, I had my fair share of experiences. And those parties are really memorable, although a lot of them blur together, too. There are a few that I remember from college that are especially noteworthy. But that was more that was like the more multi-level, maybe multi-apartment, apart, you know, kind of thing going on in a building or right in a house kind of like you lived in Philadelphia where there's like three or four stories and you're kind of just doing whatever you want. People are walking around and going in people's bedrooms and bathrooms and yeah, just like
2: nothing was off limits. No,
1: nothing was off limits. You would walk into a room and people would just be sitting around smoking weed or whatever in someone's bedroom that they didn't know. And right. A lot of memorable stuff. happened. Absolutely.
2: That God. Yes. Yeah, it takes me back. It really does. It absolutely does. So do
1: you want to segue towards our older years, or do you want to stick with high school for now? Yeah, there, is I there mean, more to say?
2: The other thing I remember, well, I have a couple of very specific memories of Please. high school. I, you know, when we talk about fighting, I remember I had a beef. This must have been earlier in high school, ninth or 10th grade. One of the headbanger kids didn't like me. And I don't even know how it started, dude, because I really wasn't on anyone's radar. I, it wasn't like I was like a super popular kid or, or something. Or so you thought. He didn't. I remember he was. he was really tall, and I he, I think he was a year older than me in school. So he must have been, if I was in ninth, he was in 10th. Let's just say I was in ninth. I was a freshman in high school and he was in 10th. And the headbanger group, I was mostly really friendly with. There was like four or five guys. And I remember the leader, quote unquote, of the headbanger kids was this kid, Johnny. I don't even remember his last name, but I remember he was super handsome dude. And I remember the girls going crazy for him. And it was like, girls would usually, you would usually hear girls swooning over, you know, the prepier kids or like the, the more football, athletic quarterback kids. Or whatever, yeah. yeah, but he, for some reason, he transcended that whole thing. It didn't matter that he was rocking the docking patch on his jacket. <laughs> oh, nice. Or whatever it was, you know, <laughs> it didn't matter. Like, he, and I remember he had a really Greek last name. Dana will remember him. Super, super handsome kid and super nice kid. Like, just a super nice kid. And he was a year older than me in school, as I, as I remember. But one of his like cronies like his right hand guy didn't like me and i remember he was really tall freckly kid and i don't even know what it was about but i remember really having those few months where it was like this kid doesn't like me He'd give me shit in the hallway he would say shit to me in the hallway if he saw me in high school and stuff like that and i remember like this kid's gonna i see these kids a lot i think they lived in medford in our old neighborhood in medford where i hung out we had moved to brookhaven hamlet but i still hung out there a lot because my best friend lived on the block i grew up on john so John and I hung out a lot in Medford during this period of the '80s, late in junior high school, early in high school, because there were so many. Ha- as as Colin knows, there were so many houses. There it was a really congested neighborhood. A lot of friends that we grew up with lived there. You know, our age, older and younger, girls and guys, and that's where all the parties were. So we always went to a party, whether it was somebody in Dana's grade who was a year, you know, our sister Dana's is a year younger than me or somebody older than us or somebody in our grade. Somebody was always having a party in that neighborhood. So I remember when a Dana's contemporaries in school, Mike was having a party and I went and I knew that this was going to catch up at some point. Like we were gonna, I was going to be with this kid at this, the party at this, with this kid that didn't like me and it was, something was going to happen. So sure enough, I get to this party and this kid wants to fight me. So I remember it being stopped by this Johnny kid, though. He came in, he was like, You're not going to fight Dagan, blah, blah, blah. So I was kind of saved by this kid who I always liked. But I remember not knowing, like, is Johnny going to, like, stick his neck out for me or is he not going to stick his neck out? Because I wasn't a fighter. I didn't know. I, yeah, what I didn't you know going to do, gonna do yeah. in that situation? Yeah. And again, like, props to my friend John. I remember him being like, Whatever, dude, I'll fucking kick his ass. Like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, And John was, like, much different than me in the fact that. And he of, was like, buff as shit, too, right? He man. was buff. He was already working out for a few years. He, and he was just, he just had more courage than I did. Yeah, well, he would have had your back. I he had in- older cousins. That yeah. were taught him how to fight. Like he just had he was just had a different personality than me when it came to that kind of stuff. He didn't give a shit. You know, he would just be like, whatever, dude, I'll kick that guy's ass or whatever. And I remember thinking, like, can John kick his ass? Like, <laughs> I know John would stick his neck out for right, me. Right. But I remember this kid Johnny, was this kid Johnny gonna stick his neck out for me? But it turned out he did, which was cool because again, this kind of crosses over with we were talking about you and I with dropping the ball with girls and not being able to pick up on signals and all that kind of stuff. There was this girl in Dana's grade that was super cute, and she had a crush on me. And I won't say her first name, but her last name was Hines. Well, there you go. Yes, that Hines. Yes. So, and I remember, like, really being relieved because I got to hang out with her that night and chill out with her and sort of kissed and fooled around a little bit, and it was so fun. And But the weird thing was, I never pursued a relationship with that girl, no matter how much she... she, And she really liked me, and I have no idea why. It is weird, In retrospect, I have no idea why I didn't... Like, she was so cute. She came from a nice family. She was so cool. Rich she was, family. She was fun. Rich family. But she was also <laughs> fun. Like, she was funny. She had a great sense of humor. And I never got to know that many kids in Dana's grade. So that house party thing was cool because it was the first time we were together with kids that might be a little older than us or a little younger than us That because we were never in the same classes together and stuff. But isn't that weird? Like, I would never pursue a relationship with her for some reason, which was so strange.
1: Yeah, that is. Like, that is why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I have those same questions about many a thing. Yeah. Going on. Now, isn't what funny? Let me ask you this, though. What was your... Were you drinking at this point or smoking? You didn't no. really smoke weed. So you... Oh, that's right. You didn't drink until you were in college. So nope. everyone around you was drinking. You weren't really trying to drink beer or liquor or anything I like that? I don't
2: even think my friends, like my personal closest friends, like John, Tommy, who was, you know, my best friend Tommy, who was his age... He started to get involved in the party thing as we got a little older. And then my friends in Brookhaven. My friends in Brookhaven were a little bit crazier. My friends in Brookhaven were mostly a little bit older, with the exception of Adam, who was Dana's age. And so they were a little bit different. They actually tended to drink and smoke weed and smoke cigarettes and stuff like that. But yeah, my friends in Medford, my friends back in Medford, we really didn't yet. I think it was mostly just about trying to hang out and have fun and, you know, maybe get a girl's phone number or something. It wasn't... Until later in high school, where my personal closest friends, like junior and senior year, started to drink and stuff like that, and then I kind of, I kind of like went the other way. I kind of just like I was, I pieced out and just started hanging out with my younger friends like PJ and just started skateboarding. When that happened, so when my when my friends when my friends like grew up with like Adam and John and everybody started to drink, I wasn't around for it. I just didn't, I, it wasn't even that I was straight edge or anything like that. It's just that I had, I felt like I had other things I wanted to do. Sure. I feel like I was going to say that. I don't
1: think straight edge as a cultural phenomenon even existed. Not yet.
2: When I was in college, it became a thing with triple X tattoos and all that kind of stuff. Philly was a huge, huge thing. And the nautical stars and
0: shit. Yeah. The whole thing.
2: The Rebel Alliance symbol was a big thing for that in Philly, the upper Derby kids. And it was a big thing in Philly. And it's it's funny because it did start with the kids in Philly when they were in high school, but not for us on Long Island. It was different.
1: Yeah, no, I, I was there wasn't a moment in my life when I was straight edge, but uh, <laughs> but uh, well, maybe until I was like 14 or 15 years old. But yeah, that's interesting because I was making you laugh. I think when we were, when we were talking about it on Super Bad too, I don't know if it came up in the episode, but when we were watching it. And, and discussing the movie, that they they really go out of their way, the girls, to say, like, I want, it's like Mike's Hard Lemonade, but it's like some right, made ma- version. And that, that really resonated with me because that really was the way it was when you were kind of integrating yourself into it. No one was drinking, at least in my group, no one was, like, drinking bourbon no, or something like that. I that mean, was would, the gateway. Right, exactly. So, yeah. like, I'd get a six-pack of Mike's Hard Lemonade at the, <laughs> the 7-Eleven that anyone would sell me anything I wanted. And... That was it's I used to get sick all the time drinking and you didn't realize that like actually that shit's all acidic and it's probably not great to drink a lot of those and they're not really meant to be drunk more than like a couple of them. Right. Pretty high alcohol content. But that was like my familiarity with it. And I remember one at one party at my friend Corey's house in 11th or 12th grade. I actually like it was. he had like a really sprawling house in Yapank. OK. And uh, they moved. They used to live in Patchogue and they moved to this really sprawling kind of a like almost like a state that they were building. Uh, and this like kind of isolated party app, Hank And I remember that they had like multiple kitchens in the building. I think it might have been like at some point, like multiple units or something. And uh, I remember sitting Indian style on top of a refrigerator, like just sitting there for like. Whoa. And what and, like with these tall ceilings or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And just drunk out of my mind off of these Mike's Hard Lemonades. And my friends still sometimes bring that up like.
0: They remember that, 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 yeah, that yeah, like Mike? that. Like
1: what were you doing on top of the refrigerator? Like that was so weird. Ah. And i'm like yeah that was weird and the other memory i have of that specific night i don't think i've ever talked about this is that Corey was dating this girl from another school district i think she was from sayville and she was like a year younger than us and she was like kind of fast and loose this girl like uh, like clearly obviously oh my god and she was like this hot blonde number used to like wear these little skirts and shit like that and we were all sleeping at night in like this open air uh, like uh, porch with screens around and stuff okay. and then there's, like couches and everything like that. Right. And my friend Cody and I are the only people that know that this happened. And I haven't talked about, you know, Cody, but I haven't
2: talked he about. He was hilarious. Yeah, he was great. He was absolutely hilarious.
1: He, I haven't talked. I, I don't know if he remembers this, but I remember this so well is that this girl and Corey were like fooling around on the couch next to us. And she, I'll never forget this as long as I live, because I'm like, this is the fucking weirdest thing. This is still weird. (laughs) Okay, well, I can't wait to hear it. Is that she like, she was like on her back or whatever, and we were just sleeping on the ground, like next to, like next to the couch, basically. This is the way, you know, people, we kind of turn the other cheek when people are doing shit around you. Right. And she reached out her hand and started caressing my head (laughs) while she was fooling around with Corey.
2: And then like
1: started doing it to Cody too, because I was like, I'm like, what? the fuck like it was like so weird like where she reached out and started like oh my i have God. a buzzed head always you know usually at that yeah. time especially and she was like rubbing her hand all over my first of all, it was really hot in a way like at the time i was like holy shit it's kind of and and uh Corey like didn't i don't think believed it at the time i don't know if he would i haven't talked to him i saw him at mike pope's wedding the last time and this obviously didn't come up but i remember that so well after that party and i was like such a weird moment for me and i had like i used to think that, that girl was like it's what we, t- I think I've discussed this on the show, but the idea of like what, you know, girls call other girls sluts or yeah, whatever. Sure. And they don't realize that like every 16 year old boy, that's like the word that like gives them a boner. <laughs> right. If you say like that girl's a, sl-, like they'll be like, that girl's a slut. Right. And, and guys will be like, what? Like who's a slut?
2: <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: And that was the kind of like, that was kind of the girl I'd think about. No offense to her, but that's kind of, I mean, she was
2: a slut. Wow. Well, she was. Yeah. She and, was what she
1: uh, was. Yeah, I don't think I ever really talked about that publicly, but that happened. And that was like such funny. a funny ass story. That's to a make. trip. Because it was hot. That you know? is it was kind trip. of weird. Like, I was like, am I going to get involved in it?
0: <laughs> Are
1: we going to have a some sort bit. of weird menage going on bit. here? You think that's what she was
2: trying to do? Was she I don't know. To pull I think she might have this... been pretty
1: bombed and maybe was, didn't know what she was doing. She was but just flailing. I don't know that she was flailing. I think she probably doesn't remember doing it. Okay, you know, like, okay, but she was definitely okay. rubbing my head with intent. Right? Yeah, it sounds like it. And, uh,
2: so there we were. Wow. Yeah, that's a story. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting story. Interesting that's story. a story, my friend, for but, sure. But
1: otherwise, at these house, the only other house party I remember that's like really notable from high school is my senior year. We lived on uh, Woodland Avenue off of this r- road called South Country that runs quite a distance through Brookhaven and Bellport into the Patchogue. And there are these big, beautiful houses leading up to Bellport High School that are on that road. You know what I'm talking about across from the farm. Sure. That's owned by my friend Brian's family. And... There, at one of those houses was a party and I just discovered it and I was kind of in with some of the cool kids, but I, I wasn't much of a partier and didn't do it too much, kind of hung out with my group of friends. But I remember going to this one party a senior year and it was like a party that you would have seen kind of similar to like a, a movie, like an American pie. It was that one party that I experienced in high school. Where I was like, wow, this is pretty crazy. Girls dancing on the tables and <laughs> people jumping in and out of the pool and like a DJ playing and just like loads of alcohol and drugs. And I remember that party really well too and what i remember about it is just kind of walking around it and being there and drinking a beer or whatever and then just leaving like i remember just kind of like doing a loop around it i remember one of the girls specifically dancing on the table as a girl you would never expect doing that so that was kind of an interesting thing yeah and everyone you know i remember her like taking her like she had like taking her shirt off and shit like that she had a bra on, i think right right i was like what the it was it was kind of cool like i was we were just about to graduate i think and it was I remember that pretty well, and I, I know whose house it was at. I won't, I won't say her name, but I remember that pretty well, and I kind of made the rounds, and then that was probably the last party I went to until I was in college, with the exception of some you know get-togethers. Because I hung out with a lot of older kids, too, as you know. You did, yeah. The band that I was in in high school and in college, they were all older than me. I was the youngest one in the band by at least a year or two years to some of them, and so I would hang out with them a lot, and they had a closer group of friends that – would congregate that they kind of adapted me or adopted me into that would go to different people's houses. And there's probably like 10 people and it was always the same people. And okay. we play cards or do whatever. And um, so that was probably like the last high school party I ever had. But none of them were super memorable hmm. compared to the college ones that I had. Yeah. Oh, for sure. oh, yeah, yeah. we got to
2: get into that. Yeah, so the scale just shifts. Yeah. So is there anything about high school that you wanted to talk about before we segue? No, I mean, the only other memorable aspect to high school parties for me was when we started to meet kids from other school districts and I'm not exactly sure what the inroads were there. I mean, skateboarding probably had a lot to do with it, but when we started to meet people from other schools, you know, the world sort of opened up for us then because we got to meet so many different people and go to different house parties in different towns. And that, you know, that was always a, another weird thing where it was exciting, but, but, you would get a little trepidatious going up there. You know, you would feel a little trepidation going in because you didn't really know somebody or maybe you knew one or two people and were they even going to be there. So there was always that whole thing. I, I experienced that a lot because we hung out with a lot of kids from other schools, you know, and again, again, through skateboarding, but it was it was mostly fun. That was mostly really, really a fun time for us. And, you know, that that's when I feel like we gained our independence, too, was that a big thing was like, we didn't have to be chauffeured around anymore by the parents. We had, you know, some of us drove, we had older friends that drove. A lot of my close friends, even in high school, went to, you know, Brian and Chris, they all went to different school districts. So we had, you know, we had a wire, a wider variety of a, of a social scene to pull from, which was kind of cool, you know, from Belport to Rocky Point to Miller Place, you know, Chris went to school in Smithtown for a while, Quorum. you know, PJ was in, the neighboring school district and we hung out with a lot of kids from Seville, So we really hung out with a lot. Of and then that, when Nassau County started to play into it as well, you know, when we started to meet kids from Amityville and from Massapequa and all that kind of stuff, Baldwin. So it was just like, we had, we had the run of the whole Island It felt like for a little while there before, which I think was cool because I think that prepared me for going to school in a city and for going to, and for the parties that would take place in not just in Philly, but in New York too. And in Boston. You know, because one of my good friends went to BU. So we'll get into that, that chapter next.
1: That's so funny because you, uh, I grew well, I didn't grow up. I went to college in Northeastern, as everyone knows, and that's right next to BU. So you were like right in my neighborhood, but many years earlier, oh, right, I guess, when right. you were there, which exactly. is interesting because that's where I, that's where all my parties were in that area as well. I fucking hate BU, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, you have every right. Yeah. Sucks, sucks to be you, as they say. <laughs> now, Dagan. Let's segue over, I guess, to college and our collegiate party it. experiences. And I haven't forgot about the audience, by the way. We're, we'll round out our topic here with reading some questions, yeah, comments, concerns, thoughts, got... and ideas I from the audience. Can't wait to hear those. Give us some things that we might have uh, missed. But what, what identify or how do you identify the way parties were in college compared to the way they were in high school, because the way I look at it is this is when you open up a wide array of ages. So this is like eight, 17 or 18 year old. And there could be like 20 somethings or 30 somethings there as well. Certainly 20 somethings and maybe even older, like and I've been at parties in San Francisco like that, where I'm like, these are like kids around us, basically. Right. Like college and you're at some party and it's like there's just a great different hodgepodge of people. But the scale obviously increased the alcohol increased exponentially because most people now at these parties could just buy it legally. Right. It was a lot harder for me as an underage person to get beer and liquor in Boston than it was in New York, which is ironic because I was older at that time. But the parties and the parties were of big scale and I, I got really fucked up at some of these parties. And did you? Oh, definitely. And had a really good time at some of these parties and have a lot of funny memories about them, too, but also realize and understand that I wasn't really much of a partier i think that again people like ramon and others had a much more quintessential college experience through that but i was at some of those parties and i remember some of them and i remember some of the things i did and some of the people i met and
2: yeah some of those things some of those experiences with ramon i would imagine
1: definitely not always good for ramon (laughs) ramon got really drunk at a party when we were freshmen once and his brother was there joe was really funny joe's a comedian actually in new york and Ramon was getting really annoyed that this guy was like playing guitar at the... Because Ramon's like a really talented guitar he really player. Is. He really and is. And he was getting annoyed that some guy was like playing the guitar and he wasn't doing it very well and he was like trying to take the guitar <laughs> from him so he could play it and shit and we got kicked out of the party. But my biggest memories of... One of my biggest memories, I should say, of the parties is just the utter disregard that I felt like a lot of people had for these spaces. Sure. And... <laughs> This wasn't a thing that really was happening in high school because I think people were a little more cogent. Like it was a little more cognizant of this is like someone's house that their parents own and they're going to come home or they're right. like out or they're in the house maybe or something like that. And the th- at this point, sh- every all bets were off. Like, yes. And I personally remember like peeing in people's t- bathtubs in the bathroom and like in their sinks and. Not as a disrespectful thing, but like there would be one bathroom or two bathrooms in this house and people would just walk in and out. Yeah. the doors weren't closed. And it's like someone a girl sitting on the toilet or something like, I want to pee in the fucking bathtub. Then. Right,
2: exactly. You know,
1: and like just like really kind of unthinkable things that were going on like that where it's like, I, I think Ramon has a story about a kid that like peed on the floor of a kitchen because he was like really drunk or something like that. And yeah. You know, just like a lot of disregard going on. Not not good good kind of disregard. No, but not you're that at I was that like age. destroying
2: anything, but it's like, what am I doing? Yeah. But at that age, even in college, we talk about our younger years, junior high and high school, but even in college, you're not you don't have a regard for personal property yet. You don't own a home yet. You know, you really don't know. You're you're it's not that you're being it's not that kids are being bad. They just really they're just so ignorant still at that age. They just don't know. You're not thinking like that. You're thinking purely about having fun. A hundred percent. That's it. It's complete self indulgence, complete hedonist. It's all about my fun and what I have to do to achieve that fun, and that's it. Right now, it's that's exactly what it is. It's so only, it's another five years before you gain that insight into like, okay, I shouldn't be peeing in this person's bathtub. <laughs> like, it's right. not, not very nice to do, you know? Right? I, yeah, do. probably
1: shouldn't be. Uh, so this guy should. I never did it, but people doing like upper deckers in people's uh, and people's toilets and shit like that
2: for people doing that to. And my friends doing that to people's houses and stuff. I I really regret that. I never did that myself, but I've I've been a part of groups of plenty of high drinks before.
1: My whole thing was I didn't feel so bad about it in the moment. I feel a little bit more bad about it now because I'm an adult, but when you're inviting people into this space, it's not like these parties just spontaneously occur. So right. when you're inviting people in these spaces, like what do you expect? What do you expect? I don't know like what you, expect. that's why I never had a party. I never had a, hosted a party ever. Okay, I was going to ask you about never, this. Never, not once. Never, never never, once have I ever hosted a party.
2: No, me In either. my entire life. Me either. Not until Philly when I had four roommates. So it wasn't really my party. You know, it was at my house. But yeah, not until that point at Nerd House where it was like five of us, four or five of us. Yeah, it was always at least four of us. You know so it wasn't really my party it was just in my home and i had the upper i had the upper floor so no one no one came up to my room you know i had the whole top floor so i was lucky so did helene actually in her apartment on pine street she had the whole entire top floor too of her of a four story ha- of a four-story house so she was she was lucky too so we had two different retreats like eight blocks away from each other when we started dating that we we could just go of you know, if we wanted to get away from the party and no one would come up there, we could just like chill out and watch a movie, or I could take her. She had a hamster. Did I ever tell you about her pet hamster that she I had? I vaguely remember this. This isn't going in. A, this isn't going in <laughs> on Right. I know. I said hamster. It sounded like I would. T- I would put the hamster in a paper towel tube and blow it out like a blow dart onto the bed. <laughs> she didn't get hurt. She was so cute. I think the hamster's name was Zoe. Yeah, that was so funny.
1: PETA's going to come and find you now. No, knocking they're after
2: me. They've, they're they're going to get me.
1: When did you... Well, so I guess an interesting thing to kind of segue into here yeah. is that you were not a drinker or a weed smoker like I was in high school. So this was a new, also introducing a whole new component. I was a, kind of preliminarily prepared for what was to occur in a okay, college. Okay, that's interesting. But you... I mean, it was taken to a next level. Liquor was definitely injected into the scene a lot more than when it was when I was a kid. But the weed yeah. and all that kind of stuff was all around in Bellport. Right. What... Was that like kind of starting to drink now and maybe experiment with some stuff that you weren't doing before? Yeah,
2: it was fun. I mean, I had fun. I started I started having drinks very loosely, very socially, like a drink, like having drinks like. Well, there was another there's another component to this, because the rate for my age, because the rave thing started to take place when. When I was late in high school to my first half of college, ra- the rave thing was really big and not just raves, but we had rave clubs, which were like weekly raves on the weekend of clubs like caffeine and stuff like that on Long Island. So that was a big component of partying for us where that introduced a lot of things to a lot of people. Like now I was never into acid or mushrooms or ecstasy or anything like that, but I certainly dated a lot of girls that did that stuff. And I even had certain friends that were guys that got into that kind of stuff as well through through the years, Different different friends. Different friends of different capacities too. Some really good friends as well, but I never really got into any of that stuff. I was always in it just to have fun and meet girls and just, just be with my boys, be with my friends or whatever. Other skateboarders would go, you know, at night and those type of, it was, it was fortunate for us because those type of girls, not to, not to generalize, but those type of girls, rave style girls were really into skateboarders. So like that whole thing worked out for us in the nineties. So that was another component of partying that introduced me to that whole arena, I guess. Now, drinking didn't really kick off for me, though, on a regular basis or, you know, every weekend or at parties every weekend or every week until I lived in Philly. And it was interesting because I started smoking when I was 22 years old. Cigarettes. Started smoking cigarettes when I was 22 years old. And I started drinking maybe a year prior to that. But I never really drank to get drunk, oddly enough. I wasn't drunk that much. You know, I was more in it just to have fun, hang out with girlies, whatever it was. But at a certain point, I guess towards 23, 24, when I start, when I left college, is when I started drinking more. Where we would go out in Connecticut with my friends on the bars on the weekends to clubs or whatever. That's when I started to drink, oddly enough, to get intoxicated. Where you know somebody would, you know, we would drink and then we'd have one designated driver, that type of thing. But even through college, I wasn't getting drunk a lot. I College is where I first I smoked weed, and I smoked weed a handful of times. In college, wasn't super into it.
1: When you smoked weed, were you smoking joints or blunts or bowls or bongs?
2: Um, bongs. Oof. And joints. Okay. So it depended on the time. Bongs first time I ever smoked, I think I was smoked a, you know, with a group of friends and Helene out of a bong. That was probably the first time I, I love I ever bongs. Smoked. Love them. They're they were so fun.
1: They're su- they, they were they were super fun. They're they're really. They really go to the head, I'll tell you. And that's
2: what gives you such a concentrated... High, right? Right. The bong.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. Huge I, in the nineties. In on Long Island we had a bong that was so long that you couldn't light it yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, to have someone else light it for you. That's amazing. And and
1: do the and pull the carb too, which is that so is which is so great. Crazy. It was four feet long. It was awesome.
2: Oh, it's so good, dude. I had friends that were so, so such burnouts. I mean, I had friends, I had roommates that Shit, did Tab's to acid every weekend too.
1: Yeah, acid's uh That was another big I want to do acid. We were t- we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, you and I were talking about Yeah, it. where I'm, I'm like, I want I've never actually done acid, but I, I'd like to do I'm acid. I'm
2: horrified of it. I, I can't I, I don't know I don't know how that would go for me I'm, I'm really I don't know if I'm the acid guy you know, you know
1: who you know what inspired me to want to do acid was Mad Men.
2: oh yeah that whole bit
1: yeah when Roger Sterling is doing. I remember
2: it. very well yeah that's actually kind of cool yeah like the they have they a cool it.
1: they had a cool setup because they like wrote down things on papers so people yeah. would know where they were and all that kind of stuff and I would like to do it or even do like a like a, a you know micro it or something like that which is a big thing to do that's now. interesting yeah, I would love to do acid. I have no problem with drugs. I personally don't choose to do them, but I think that's a personal choice. Oh, Of course, you know, for you, and uh, so it's not something I choose to to partake in. But yeah, teach his own.
2: Now, you want to do it? Would you rather do it in a group setting, or you want to do it by yourself with one other person? Yeah, I, I
1: wouldn't want to do it by myself, but I don't think I'd want to do it in, in in a situation where I was going anywhere. Maybe right. with one or two people. Just or be just able to just stay home, relax. Yeah, I understand. just because they say. I mean, Sam Harris, who is a neuroscientist and a Ph.D. and a big believer in drug use in some ways to to discover things in your mind. And yeah, it's ha- they really do talk about how it's like an, an, a mind expanding and almost essential thing, a component of their lives. Like these these intellectuals that do like that, expand their minds and think about it and really seek highs. And I think Sam Harris has like traveled around to different places in the world to like get fucked up with different groups yeah. of people to try to like expand his mind and figure it out and heighten right heighten whatever they discover lost thoughts or whatever the case whatever they're trying to do so Joe that's, Rogan's that's
2: really into that too i think
1: i think so so yeah. i i i think that's cool you know i think that's super neat i don't Absolutely. i don't i don't think that it's for everybody and i've never done it so i can't speak to it specifically but
2: yeah i don't look down on it yeah you know if, if it's a natural thing especially mushrooms are pretty fascinating to me you know here's the thing that grows in nature that has this that has the ability to have this effect on person that's really interesting
1: yeah mushrooms are great and uh, they're a little dangerous too but what's funny about mushrooms is that they're kind of becoming normalized too i don't know if you've been reading about that like they're i think legal or about to be legal in colorado which was which was the first state to legalize marijuana in the united states as well
2: progressive over there
1: and i think that's just another smart thing to do mushrooms are mushrooms have a mushrooms are not for most people and most people will never do them so it's not a, a not a big deal but and i haven't done mushrooms in a very long time but it's it's a psychoactive thing. it's a it's a trip.
2: It's amazing that that something in nature could have that effect on the human mind. That's I'm fascinated with it, absolutely fascinated with it. It's very
1: interesting. But my college uh, parties too exposed me a lot to drugs that I don't. You know, again, you can do them if you want, but that I wouldn't want to be around. We've talked to ad nauseum about my my opium story, but and that was an accident. I didn't do opium on on purpose. I I wouldn't necessarily mind smoking opium again in the future, but also knowing what it what opium leads to is is really not cool. So, yeah, you got to be really careful with that stuff. But uh, also, just being introduced to Coke. Now, I went to a rich person's school, and that's an important component of this because I, I'm not rich and I, our family wasn't rich, but Northeastern's a private school and it's really expensive. And so, there's a lot of wealthy people there and a lot of people, a lot of money to burn. Not, not that that's everyone. Ramon and I came from middle class families, so it's not everybody, but. Right. I remember being introduced to that white powder for the first time and seeing people do it. And I've never done Coke still to this day, and I don't want to. But that was a big kind of – that. that's the kind of stuff that made me nervous at these parties where I was like, wow, this is a step up from smoking a blunt or,
0: yeah, or drinking a
1: 40 or something like that. And, you know, I remember this one girl specifically. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know her, and I, I only saw her a few times. But at these various parties, I was friends with a friend of mine that was like just spending like thousands and thousands of dollars <sighs> on Coke. Unbelievable. And – that really opened my eyes. I was like, wow, a lot of people now I'm not judging for per se. I spent all my money on weed, food and and beer. So it's not like I was above it because I wasn't. But I, I that opened my mind I was like, wow, this girl has a fucking problem. And I remember thinking that at the time. Yeah. Like, wow, this girl's fucked up.
2: It's harrowing. There's yeah. something really harrowing about Coke. Maybe it's growing up in the 80s and seeing it in movies, everything from Scarface to whatever party movies. It's, it was such an 80s thing that it almost seems like it almost it has the cinematic feel to it. When you see it, you had talked about, you had maybe laughed because we talked, I talked about one, going to one party later on in my life. I was probably in my later twenties. I was with PJ, another friend of ours. And it was local. It was like somewhere in Sayville, not far from where we grew up on long Island. And, well, all right, all right, we'll go to this party. I'm already engaged to be married at this point. I'm not going for any reason except we're hanging out that weekend. So we go into this party and it was that that total, you know, everybody was like, it seemed like they were 35 years old. First of all, there was only like 10 people. You know, they had the, the bottles of wine and the charcuterie plate, you know, and they were, they were sniffing Coke out of rolled up dollar bills. And it was the first time I ever saw that. I never saw that in my life. And I was just like all right, that's cool. Like, what am I doing here? It was the craziest right. thing. I felt like I was watching a movie. It's weird because
1: Coke, I'm not necessarily opposed to trying it one day, but I feel like my moment with it is past. Like, I feel like that's a young person's drug. It's dangerous and it's addictive and it could kill you and all those kinds of things. So that's the kind of stuff I I typically would want to stay away from. Yeah. And obviously, the you know, the we Talked about opium, but the, the serious opioids and heroin, somebody I, I never saw anyone doing that. I don't think in person. I did see someone smoke crack in front of me once, but which was weird. Crack that was a big
2: thing for a while. That
1: was in San Francisco, actually. And th- when I was older, someone was just on the street, just a random dude, like a normal looking dude, I was right. smoking like a joint on the street. And he's like, Hey, can I uh borrow your lighter? And I was like, Yeah, all right. And I, get, I thought he was gonna light up a bowl or smoke a cigarette or something. and He smoked a fucking crack pipe. Wow, right? It's amazing. And no. I remember just standing there being like, like kind of with my mouth agape and I'm like, you can keep that. And I like walked, he like kept the lighter and I like
2: walked. I just wow. didn't want to be around it. You know, That's, that's how, I, crack really took hold again, I would say like within the last five or 10 years. And I think because of its connotation and, you know, it's sort of neg- super negative connotation and how embarrassed people are. I think a lot of us didn't hear about it. But I know a lot of people that got hooked. I know of a lot of people that got hooked on crack on both coasts, in, especially in the skateboarding world. And really struggled with it, man. It really, for some reason, crack kicked in again. It didn't just go away in the 80s or the 90s. It was still around.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It was, I never smelled it. So I didn't even know like what that, I don't, and I don't, I might remember it, you know, smell being or the closest tied to memory, the sense tied to memory, I guess they say. Right. But I remember smelling whatever it smelled like and never having smelled it before and being like, I, I was actually dating a girl at the time that was like kind of pulling me away because I think she realized at first and I was like what is going on like what oh. is, you know like what is this holy cow and you know I was like a dumb 23 year old or 24 year old or something like that so yeah I remember that but as far as the parties are concerned in college they were fun they were ragers and not all of them were but there were some really funny moments and a lot of levity at these parties too I think I think some people get aggro at these parties and and fuck with each other and stuff but I remember there's just being just kind of raging out and people passed out on couches and massive amounts of kegs and and i remember people taking shots out of bell- girls belly buttons and doing all those typical things right. ice luges and all the corny shit that people do and right right i remember specifically at ramon's apartment senior when i was a senior he was a junior i think or because i graduated in four years so my middle year really went right into my senior year but i didn't have so my, my junior year technically but yeah i remember there was like these two kids that were like just passed out in his backyard like on the grass <laughs> it's like really weird stuff you know but funny funny times and and what's so funny about those things is that it's like complete degeneracy once you get older, like that's the stuff you have to do or should do if you want to get it out of your system at that age exactly. because you can't
2: sow those oats,
1: yeah, you can't I can't be going to parties with people passed out on the grass at right. 34 years old could be fun,
2: could be interesting I guess
1: way, at yeah, our ages, but who knows I'm too much of i'm too like i don't know that's too foreign to me at this
2: point, right <laughs> so yeah we've 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 uh gone past that, I guess, at this point out our lives.
1: Well, Dave, let's read some of these inquiries from the audience right, and please. see if they give us some places to explore. I think they might. Jeremy Cochran wrote in with us and said, did either of you ever get marooned at a party with relative strangers? This happened to me once in high school when a friend of mine I was riding with decided to leave and not tell me. Talk about awkward and uncomfortable. Thankfully, the people at the party were cool as hell and even gave me a ride home. It actually helped me break out of my shell somewhat. Thanks, you guys, and love all that you do. So, Dave, have you ever been stranded at a party before?
2: I can't remember an instance of being stranded at a party. No, thank goodness, especially because we were all over the place at at certain points. I'm trying to think in my college years if I ever felt like I got stranded at a party. Oh, I have a funny college party story to tell. I'll write this down so I don't forget. But no, I don't remember ever being stranded. What about you, Carl? No, I don't think so. Not that I recall.
1: No. Fat Houdini wrote into us and said, I never really went to parties during my academic career. The only one I did go to was a lot of people basically using it as to act like idiots and talk shit about people who weren't around. Did I really miss anything by not attending these events? I think you might have missed something by not attending them too much, but I think it's to each his own. I also wonder about parties today, like you you especially grew up in like the pre or like the kind of primitive cell phone era, certainly pre-digital cameras and pre-smartphone and all that kind of stuff. And I was going to parties during the flip phone era and, and... I feel like parties now, everyone's on camera, everything's being recorded, everything's on social media. I don't think you can really be yourself and like be crazy at these things anymore like you used to be because someone's inevitably going to take something out of context or record it or get you in trouble or fuck you up in school or at work or whatever the case might be. Like today, I'm super cognizant of that in my everyday life, like paranoid about like I'm always being watched. I'm always being recorded. Okay, And just try to, like, just move through and not have any beef, not have any problems, not say anything, not right. do anything, not that I would anyway, but I'm really cognizant of that. So I wonder if young people today are cognizant that everyone has their... Like, look at fucking concert footage from the 80s, right? And then look at concert footage that's put on YouTube from a concert yesterday. Yeah. And you'll see the, the major difference is that there are cell phones in everyone's hands and they're always on. Yeah. And they're always recording always and... Always
2: filming taking pictures i
1: just think it's a different scene these days I, I actually was reading about a louis ck um comeback tour that he's doing where they have this thing where like he will not let cell phones into the into the show at all like you can't go okay. to the show. and i guess parties maybe maybe they can do the same thing at parties
2: today i don't know that's interesting i mean it's i feel kind of bad for kids thinking that way that they can't you know no matter what they're going to get up to. They, they, they may get filmed. Now they're trying to get into college. <laughs> you know, right. poor kids. Well, the it's
1: writer, Andrew Sullivan, he's a gay, writer, a gay, prominent gay, somewhat conservative writer, or, writes for New York Magazine, was on Bill Maher this past weekend. And he was saying something similar. He was talking about Justice uh, Kavanaugh and kind of the shit he, you know, he was accused of kind of sexual assault and stuff like that. And, and it's kind of these allegations are certainly at the very least dubious. And he was saying like people can't even not necessarily about Kavanaugh, because this shit would kind of cross, clearly cross the line if it happened. But his point was that no one can make a mistake anymore. No one can do anything wrong right. or be fucking stupid or be dumb or be whatever, make mistakes or come back or bounce back like it's just not allowed anymore. And so that's sad. And I think that that's yeah, it's probably putting a, having a cooling effect, you would assume on on the way people socialize and the way we were talking even earlier about your kids and how they might meet significant others and people that date. But I think it's a different scene, too. Now they can text each other. It's like probably very passive and very yeah. weird and not very social and not. You know, I don't know. I I feel bad for kids today, too, because they should. I remember digital cameras starting to really become this prevalent thing when I was in college. But even then, and that was pre smartphone. The smartphone didn't come out as we really recognized until I was out of college. But Even then, like we people were just taking pictures and kind of um, memorializing things. Now, I don't feel like it's to memorialize things. Now, I feel like it's like it could be used to as a weapon in the future against people.
2: Yeah, that sucks. And I I, the point that's kind of heartbreaking. The point about not being able to make a mistake, you know, not being able to just have, you know, give people a reprieve. Let people have a good time. And I want
1: I want to be clear that I'm not saying like a mistake like, oh, I raped that girl when I was 16 years old, you know, but I'm saying like mistakes like. Getting drunk at a party. Yeah, getting drunk. Well, because I think Bill Barr was saying and we were watching his recent stand up, which is great on Netflix, where he was saying, like, I loved the joke about his Me Too joke about how it seems like they've caught everybody. Right. Because, like, it's the most heinous shit you've ever heard of, like, or you can't even imagine it. (laughs) And now it's like catching people that are just having bad dates, basically. (laughs) And like what the what the major difference is there. I love that point, which is great. Michael Lepper wrote in and said, hey, guys, I was only at one college party during my time at college. That's sad, Michael. I'm sorry to hear that. My what? buddies had a house near Rutgers University in New Jersey, okay. which isn't too far from my hometown of Manchester, New Jersey. They invited me over one night after a Yankee game, and I have never been seen such a stereotypical behavior in my life. I felt as though I was in the middle of Animal House. One room was dedicated for smoking, where all of the potheads were hanging out. One room was dedicated to playing NBA 2K, and the basement was where all the drinking games were. Within five minutes of getting there, my friend fell down the stairs, and two kids were puking in the backyard. Wow. There were two fistfights. Three kids got parking tickets, and obviously the house was in disarray by the time it was all said and done. Me and 20 other kids passed out on the ground in some random room, and I vaguely remember being driven home. I feel as though I got the full experience in one night. Thanks, guys, and keep up the great content. I was going to say, maybe, you maybe had like 10 parties in maybe, one party. Maybe you did, but you see... You will never know because you. I miss too much. Yeah, I encourage like even I was a bit of. I mean, I'm a re- real recluse now as an adult, but I was a bit of a recluse as a, as a kid and as a college kid too. And I feel like I wish uh, even though I experienced a lot of stuff, but I wish I, I could have experienced much more. And I'm sad that I didn't do that. It had nothing to. Do, I w- I did really well in school. It had nothing to do with that. It was just like I would rather just smoke weed and and play video games. I guess and that that's to each his then own. go I guess.
2: out and have a good you know try a party or. A gathering of some sort, concert. Indeed, I understand.
1: Zachary Parkerson wrote in about spin the bottle. He already answered that, but the answer is uh, Dagan's played. I never actually played it. I did. I was around where people played it, but uh, I never, you know, got involved. Never in partook. Let's see. Steve Korber wrote in, said, hey, guys, wanted to write in regarding parties. This is always a topic with me and my wife. And we went to, as we went to high school together. Coming from rural Ontario, Canada, we had some pretty crazy shop and field parties, shop slash field parties. We started going to these parties with booze almost every weekend, starting part uh, partway through ninth grade and didn't slow until we graduated. It got so bad. But the th- by the time we were in 11th grade, the parents wouldn't allow people to have parties because they got way too out of hand. Our high school was made up of six small towns from the area, so there were always a small town rivalry that almost ended in a fight and which ended the party. And he (laughs) said he was born in 93. Yeah, the the rural party experience I've only ever gotten through film. And it always seemed like I think about like Dazed and Confused, for instance, or something like that, where they're partying in like the the middle of the field. I never experienced anything like that. That was not a thing for for us. There were some parties down at the dunes and like at the beach. beach. And stuff like that on Long Island, but nothing like what you see in some of these films. So I never got that rural experience personally. And those seemed like some pretty serious ragers there as well.
2: I would imagine. Because that's what else is there to do.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Levi Gilbert wrote into us. Hey, Levi. Said, growing up through middle school and high school years, my parents were all about hosting big get togethers. In retrospect, this was probably so they could keep an eye on me and my friends. <laughs> with a huge barn, a fire pit, and full size basement complete with a pool table, good times were easy to come by in those impressionable years. But I have to say, the post party cleanup was always the absolute worst. To this day, I cannot drink hot chocolate that is made with milk. Finding curdled hot chocolate days later in the basement was a traumatic experience. It's no wonder I'm so introverted in adulthood and actively avoid hosting parties. Yeah. So I never ho- I I never hosted like a large scale party that required a, a great cleanup. Clean so out. that was that, yeah, was, that, that must be stressful, though. Yeah.
2: But what's up with the hot chocolate at the party? I don't know. It's That's... alcoholic hot, hot chocolate. It could be. Well, well, it' like having I mean, an Irish perhaps. an Irish coffee or whatever. There you yeah. Go. Whatever All that. right. Jose
1: Horish wrote into us and said, "Hi guys, or hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hey, Jose. I personally never partied until I was 18 when I crashed some college frat parties. I never went to college myself. And let me tell you, I was severely disappointed. Movies painted these parties to be amazing with lots of music, dancing, booze, and everyone got laid. Instead, my experience was overcrowded houses that were way too hot. There was no room to walk, let alone dance. The booze was usually a dirty bucket of jungle juice that was just filled with random, <laughs> s- random specks of dust and warm beer. And most of the time getting laid was more work than it was worth due to the nature of the environment. When I became old enough to go out to bars, I never went to college parties again. Perhaps I was just unlucky in my experiences, but somehow I feel like I th- these were the norm. Yeah, I, I feel like if you really did reduce it and got rid of the nostalgic goggles that everything is looked that through, that probably our, our normal experiences were not that exciting. And certainly not what you would see in most teen movies or anything like that. Sure. Yeah, sure. And finally, CL Squared wrote a us and said, hello, brothers. I was wondering if you had any stories of parties getting busted. I distinctly remember partying out in some barn in the country, rural town, shitfaced and singing open <laughs> and, and, and slinging open. I'm sorry, the garage door from inside where everyone was dancing. And as soon as it opened, seeing your whole room light up with police lights. <laughs> an entire party of 100 or so drunk teens funneled out of the barn into a massive scatter through the cornfield in an instant. Still have no idea whose barn. That was the boys in blue. I was at some places where cops came, but I never—they never like got busted up. It was usually just like, you know, we're going to come back, and there's going to be a problem if we come back. Yeah, basic yeah, yeah. situation. So, yeah, dig. What? Uh, what else did you want to discuss before we wrap this? Well, episode cop up? parties.
2: I mean, I don't think I think there was a period of time in Philly specifically where I—I I don't remember going to a party that wasn't eventually broken up by the cops. They were really hard on it actually for a period of time there. That was probably, yeah, optimum party. T- dates in Philly for years were probably for me 95 through 97-ish so that two- year period because I was there from 94 to 90 through 98 but yeah those middle years, yeah the cops were pretty tough man they would show up and you know there was always a lot of drugs and there was always a lot of noise. I remember specifically going to the urban areas and I say that because I moved to Philly in '94 but I also had really good friends that went to school in Manhattan in New York. So a lot of parties, I grew up going to a lot of parties at that time in my life in Brooklyn and Queens also. And, you know, I already talked about my friend Jeff who went to BU. So he, you know, I got to go to some Boston parties. And and I remember going pretty far. Like we would go to parties in like Alston and we would go to parties all over the place in Boston. And I probably, I was probably only in Boston four or five times, but I remember every, all those times being pretty pretty animated
1: right but never came uh at all when I lived there for five years yeah
2: didn't come at all to Boston when Kyle
1: lived there that was, I, I was busy yeah no, no big you came when I graduated so That's that was, it was a little too late at that, that, point, was but, first, that was the first point that was the first time appreciate that
2: <laughs> but uh you know what's f- so funny about the urban parties being from the suburbs and going to like an urban area for parties you got you have the urban setting but I was just at parties with 85 percent suburban kids from different places it was just a suburban party in an urban setting I, you know these weren't city kids or anything like that the the biggest change the biggest aesthetic change i can remember and also for the music was going from like stereos to djs you know now there was a dj with crates of records and turntables and i remember that being a big thing at philly parties many of the philly parties always had djs there was always some kid that djs that the host would say you could dj my party and i'll give you 25 bucks or I'll give you 50 bucks or free booze or whatever it was so there was always a dj there that was that was always a really fun memory for me and just the just the mag the scope of the parties and that there would be multiple parties every night the size of the parties the sheer scope and size of the parties now i wanted to ask you kyle have you ever been to a party that was sadly like a dud for the host like maybe only it was expected to be maybe this big thing and only five or six people showed up so i don't it know would've...
1: that i ever did experience that that was always my fear of hosting anything me was... too I, I I'm still to this day, like when I turned 30 and went to Louisville, Kentucky for my 30th birthday with a bunch of people, that was the first time I had ever really put myself out there as it were to see if anyone wanted to do something with me. Right. Like I'm I'm too self-conscious for that. So right. I never
2: found myself. I, ne- I don't know that I ever attended one either like that either. Have you? No, I can't. But that was the inherent fear of hosting a party. Right. I was always like, who is anybody going to show up? What if nobody shows up? I'll lose all face. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so crazy.
1: Yeah, I never had that experience. I was always sad. I'm sure that happens all the time, and it's it's probably pretty sad. But yeah, I, I never put myself
2: out there, so I wouldn't have known, you know. Do you remember this period of... You might remember this period, Kyle, in Philly. I guess this was towards 97, 98. I lived... You remember my friend Brian, of course. Of course. Uh, I grew up with my friend Brian on Long Island, and we both went to school in Philly. Both went to art school in Philly. He was a graphic designer, though, not an animation student, and... We were together a lot through our Philly years, and we lived together off and on. And we ended up living at a house that I've talked about before on the show in South Philly called We. Everybody called it Nerd House. All the skaters called it Nerd House because it's where the skate nerds lived. You know, we were skaters and nerds, so they called us skate nerds. And we, Brian, went through a crazy aggro stage where he would just get really, really drunk. And he, it's funny thinking back because he he was always the most straight edge kid growing up. Brian and I probably met when we were early in our teens, like 13, 14 years old. So we knew each other for a long time. And he went through a period of time where he was just wilding out. And we had to basically, at a certain point in the night, it became imperative to make sure he kept an eye on Brian, because what happened was Brian would run away. We would say he's like the runaway. He would just get in a cab and just go. (laughs) <laughs> he would get drunk, get in a cab, and just take off somewhere. And we never knew what the rhyme or reason was, but like we would literally lose him for a day or two if no one, if people weren't keeping an eye on him. And we would try to keep an eye on him in shifts because he would get crazy. So there was this one night outside a nerd house. My friend Jeff was there from Boston. I think PJ was there, if I'm not mistaken. I guess you were you there for this? I don't know. I, I... So Brian comes running out. We're hanging out out front of my building. And which we didn't usually do because we had a backyard and we had neighbors that weren't really that cool with us. So it was an older neighborhood with a lot of older people and we were really loud. So we didn't really often hang out out front. But for whatever reason, we were out front having some drinks. And here comes Brian. We hadn't seen Brian in a while. And we're like, who's seen Brian? Where is he trying to figure it out? Here he Brian comes Running down the street, rolling a tire (laughs) with a girl's cardigan's yellow sweater on that's like three sizes too small for him. So his his shoulders are all the way up. There was no girls around. We have no idea where he got the cardigan sweater from. And he's running and he's running with the tire. And we're like, all right, somebody get him, like, blah, blah. He's going crazy. He's rolling the tire into people's parked cars that are, you know, parallel parked on the street. And push comes to shove here comes a cab Brian hails it down and takes off in it right in front of us (laughs) and that was like that I remember that era very specifically it's it was so entertaining because we knew the night was going to end up with having to babysit Brian but it was also scary because we wouldn't see he wouldn't come back till the next day and be like what the hell happened.
1: Yeah, and that's like you don't have cell phones at that point or anything like that. And then he
2: started doing that in New York cuz our friends lived in Astoria and he started doing that in New York and then it turned out that he was going and he was clubbing and all this kind of stuff and meeting people and stuff was
1: Yeah, Brian Brian's gay, right? He's gay. And but he wasn't out at that time, right? No, he So came you assume out- that maybe he was getting away to go do now, i'm not yeah. saying sexual things necessarily but go do whatever you No, wants to do. i
2: think that's what it was because right. even in philly at nerd house brian came out to meet helene and i right when we got married so 2002 he it might have been 2003 so he came out to us that late that he was gay and he you know he was and, and it made so much sense to us but i never saw it i never got it at all that you know he if he'd never told me i would have never known so th- yeah thank you re- back in retrospect especially in new york you know, he would just probably meet people and stay overnight and go out to clubs and all that kind of stuff because he wasn't out yet. So it was like, what other outlet did he have? Right. It's dudes so banging dudes. It's happening. all good.
1: That's what it's. it's what you got it's, it's I mean, it's what you got to do. I'm I'm fine with that. That's what it is. Brian's the first adult to ever offer me weed. I'll tell you that. Is that right? Yeah. At your wedding. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah. Brian was at my wedding party.
1: Yeah, I was too busy chasing uh, Rick's date to uh, to smoke that
2: weed. <laughs> Rick was yeah. another member of Nerd House. <laughs> Rick V.
1: Rick brought a date to D- Dagan's wedding. I was 17. She was 23. And she like really liked me. She was cute. And I was like, remember her. That was like a that was a pursuit of mine for like the entire summer. And then when I cu- finally could have nailed it down, I, I pussied out. And PJ was so mad, like so angry at me. He tried to strand me in Philadelphia when we came <laughs> to see you once. He's like, you're staying. You're staying. I'm going home and you're staying here and you'll take the train back. And I'll pick you up at Roncom right, or right, whatever, Patrick. Right. And he's like, you know, you're finally gonna have sex with her. It's gonna be great. You're gonna do it. You're gonna. And I was really nervous and scared. And I, had, I, so we went home, and he like was so mad at me
2: <laughs> that you did not yeah. pull the trigger. He like wouldn't talk to me and shit. Oh my god. Yeah. Now, who did Rick initially ask to my wedding? Do you remember this bit of trivia? No. He asked somebody at my bachelor party to be his date. At oh, my wedding. one of the one of the strippers. One of the dancers. Yep. Yes. Yep yep that's, that's rick awesome. that was rick i love him that was rick v he,
1: rick also gave me the first piece of video game swag i ever got which was a rick worked at a philadelphia he worked at a lot of newspapers i think but he worked at this time at one philadelphia newspaper and he got a grand theft auto 3 shirt this was when i was in 12th grade i remember that and it was a petsovernight.com shirt which is a fake ad oh that's it. so funny and he gave me that shirt in like 2001 and i still have it that's like a really og piece of that's gaming cool swag. shit yeah so he yeah he gave me that i remember i remember Legend. actually he gave it to me and i was like what what the fuck is that? Like, I remember being like, "What is Pets Overnight?" And he's like, "It's an it's an ad from Grand Theft Auto." I'm like, "Oh, that's cool, nice."
2: Yeah. That's so. And it cool. had a
1: GTA three logo on their arm and stuff, and a Rockstar logo, I think, on the back.
2: So and you still have it?
1: Yeah, I still have it. That's yeah. super cool. I have like two crates full of just video game shirts that I've gotten over the years because I got so many of them over time, and I don't want to really get rid of them because they're all like these. I have like a Fat Princess shirt and all this like random ass shit. You know, <laughs> like it's so cool, like a pink shirt that just says Fat Princess on right, it, right, right, and stuff. So I. A game that probably could never be made today. I do you know that the, the do you know that game, Pepper? I don't know
2: if I know the whole thing behind that. It's
1: an old PlayStation Three exclusive from an multiplayer only PS Three exclusive from Who 2008 or 2009. FunBits Interactive was the company I think that made okay. it. They don't exist anymore, but okay. um, they it was a game where there was a princess, like a beautiful princess, and two competing squads are competing to try to get her into the castle. And so the what you're trying to do is you're feeding her as much food as possible so that it's she's harder to move. So like you (laughs) like so like one group's like trying to get her into the castle. The other group's like just shoving cake and all sorts of shit in her mouth and trying to make her heavy and stuff like that. I don't know this. And people really like in hindsight were like, this is a really fucked up misogynistic game. And I'm like, you know, what's so funny about it is that it was made by a woman. So. There you go. So it came you.
2: out and it was sold and everything. Yeah. Was, oh, wow. I got to look that up. And it got
1: like a sequel too, called uh, Fat Princess's Big Adventure. I think or I something like that. The,
2: for what? For PS1?
1: No, PS3 was oh, the PS3. And then PS4 Not was that the long film. ago. No, no. 2008 oh. or 2009. I oh, think I
2: got to look into that. I want to um, see. Let's Plays.
1: You can't play it anymore because it's an online only game. And I think they took the servers down, but uh, you, can, okay. you can probably still download it and see what it was. But yeah, it's she's a great character. But I always think about that. And I, I always think that's funny because, yeah, a woman made it. Um, was the creative design, creative so funny. director of it. But yeah. So, so yeah, dig that's, uh, do you
2: have anything else that you want to discuss before think, we wrap things up? I think up? we covered it pretty good. I, I think, think so too. We, yeah. That was fun. That was a blast from the past. That was fun. That was it thorough. Really was. It was a it good was, man and thorough. It was a good man and thorough. All right, dig, let's wrap up with our closing segment. All right, let's do it. My friend, we have a riddle. Let's do a riddle to close out this wave 10, at least these wave 10 ones. And now you're one for five, right now. One for five. Solving the riddles, right? Okay, let's see. Let's see if you can get this one. Caught. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Let's try and eat Really, let's try an easy one. It's late. We haven't really eaten.
1: We We're haven't a little eaten fatigued. Yet,
2: really. We're gonna go eat in a little while. Can we go to Scopa.
1: Yeah. We'll Good Italian. It. A great Italian restaurant in Venice, owned by uh, the the cousin of the owner is a listener of our show, and they are Islanders. So. There you go. That's why it's so good. It is delicious. Oh, it's so great. It's
2: such a great place.
1: It's so funny that I just automatically gravitate towards anything that's from Long Island, even unintentional.
2: Yeah, that was totally unintentional. No, it's completely unintentional. I went there like 10 times before I even knew that. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. All right, Kyle, you ready? Yes. All right. So let's let's try this one. This one's weird. I can't I can't figure out what this one's about. So let's try this one. At the sound of me, men may dream or stamp their feet. At the sound of me, women may laugh or sometimes weep. Music. Hmm. Let's see. That's a good guess. It is music. Look at you. That's a little sexist, isn't it? Let me see. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I'm not. One,
1: I'm not one to call that kind of stuff out. But it's like, okay, women. I've cried from music. Men
2: may dream or stamp their feet. Women may laugh or sometimes weep. Yeah, women with the weeping. Yeah, I don't it's know. A weird, huh? Riddle writer. Little sexist. What is that riddle pers- from
1: fucking Oliver Twist? This is probably old,
2: right?
1: <laughs> oh, you made laugh, an Oliver Twist reference right, And here How come
2: men can't laugh?
1: We don't laugh. There's nothing to laugh That's about. That's true. That's a, a living a man's life, a white man's life. There's nothing to laugh about. <laughs> the, white the white man's plight. The white man's plight. What was, what was the, the white man's burden, right? That was the um white man's well, movie, but white man's burden was the idea that white men had this institutional how would i put it it's basically saying like we have this burden of instructing and guiding the black man right isn't that the, oh, wh- is isn't that that the white is?
2: man's burden i i only know that line from the shining when he says white man's burden white man's. yeah burden. i think
1: that that's what it is i think it's like a jim crow era could be wrong people can write in but i think the white man's burden is like we are surrounded by this presu- these supposedly inferior people that we need to yeah, civilize oh, that's you know i think that that's what it is but i, I could be wrong I have to dig deep into Terrible. my historical knowledge to remember that. <laughs> Very deep indeed. But uh, yeah, because I've heard people, I've heard a couple of people like flippantly over the years use that term in like joking way, not knowing what it meant. Yeah, because and I'm could... like, I don't think you know what that means. You know, like in my mind, and I, I'm one of those people that when I hear someone say something untoward or wrong, I, I don't like awkward situations, so I'm just like, yeah, like you know, when someone says something to you and you know it's wrong. Yeah, I'm not saying like morally wrong. I'm saying they're saying like, oh, it's raining and it's, it's not correct. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, and like I'm not one of those people that like cares. But there are people that like obviously like get all in on jump on uh, that. On that. I, I just like avoiding awkward situations. Yeah,
2: I do, too. Yeah. And I don't want to make people feel awkward. I think that's the other thing. I don't want to make people feel uneasy.
1: Right. Exactly. I'd rather know that you're wrong and you have no idea that I know you're wrong, nor do you know that you're wrong. Do you yeah, follow see, that? the same way? Yeah, I yeah. did. I did. Yeah. Somehow
2: I did. I don't know. How. I'm
1: not even sure what the fuck I just
2: said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave, let's wrap things up uh, with a dad joke. All right, Kyle. I'll tell you this: without geometry, life is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good.
1: You like that one? I like that one. I like that what one. What do you type in Typing
2: "good" one. next to it or something. Putting a little asterisk next to it. Put my X's next. X's. Oh, okay. don't want to reread it. Okay, don't want okay. to reread it. You can just delete it. Why did the octopus beat the shark in a fight? Something about eight, right? Because he was well armed. Ah.
1: Do 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 do. Those were good. Those were good ones. Not bad. The octopus's burden. The octopus is pardon. Did you know what that? Meant? <laughs> the All the great, inferior sea life. I know. They are apparently octopus or octopi are the some of the smartest creatures on the planet.
2: Really, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I could see that. They have that really cool defense mechanism. The ink. The ink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're they're cool. I mean, they're just so cool looking.
1: Sometimes, uh, what
2: my and my ex girlfriend,
1: uh, it was it was funny as a joke. I would. Uh, T- call it my my squid ink tr- trick when she would like want to cuddle or whatever and i didn't want to i would fart like if i had a fart i'd fart <laughs> and that was like my squid ink like my getaway oh my god that's pretty, amazing pretty funny you could just say small wonder we're not together anymore small wonder small wonder indeed we'll do another episode we should do a five-hour episode on small wonder we could do that harriet <sighs> Aaron loves that show I find that show a little disturbing.
2: It's hard to watch. You want It's one of those shows for me that's like, so, you remember it as being so campy, and it is, and you start to watch it and you're like, this will be fun. And it's just not, it's just not fun. It's just bad. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those shows It's just little, fucking stupid. It's just horrible. I, I mean, the dad bothers me in
1: that. Yeah. Show. The dad reminds me, it's not the same dad as Alf, right? No. no but no. I, I see that in my head for really? some reason when I think about it. Oh, I don't they're so he, different. Yeah. I don't even know why I see that. Willie. Willie. Dude, Alf's fun. ALF is funnier than I ever gave it credit That's for. That's a funny show. Yeah.
2: That's a legit show. I agree. Sure. I haven't seen it in a long time. It's on that Tubi memories. thing, T-U-B-I. Oh, TV. it is? Yeah. I have fond memories of ALF. I definitely do. The cartoon, I don't remember too well, but the live action show. I it's remember. so weird. It's just a weird it's show. It's really strange. Yeah. Alien Lifeform. Is that his name? <laughs> yeah, Alien Lifeform. What's his name? Gordon. Is his name Gordon? I don't know his ALF's real name. He I'm has not. like a name. It's like Gordon something, isn't it? I just love his voice. Yeah, oh, his voice is great. It's really, really I don't know awesome. what the actor looks like that does his voice. you know that? No,
1: I, I don't know either. No idea. He looks like Alf. He is Alf. <laughs> Gordon Shumway. Shumway?
2: Gordon, Gordon Shumway? Gordon Shumway. Isn't that his name?
1: <laughs> How the hell did I
2: remember that? Holy
1: moly, you pulled that deep. You did a little acid and pulled it <laughs> Why out. Why is his name Gordon Shumway? Pulled it out of your subconscious. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm not even on Google right
2: Subconscience, now. Subconscious, I should say. Subconscious. Uh, all right. We're food deprived. We're fucking losing it. We're I know, like I know. We, what time is it? Jesus. It's like a, it's like a mushroom. It's like taking mushrooms. We well, will eat some mushrooms. Hey. We'll satiate you.
1: <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting us, loving us, listening to us. Yeah. Maybe you don't love us, but you listen maybe to you know
2: like us. Maybe you like us a lot. Maybe you like us as friends. I don't care.
1: How maybe you want to play spin the bottle with us. <laughs> you play spin the bottle with me. You just better be careful because it's going down. <laughs> We're playing vulgar ass adult spin <laughs> oh, the bottle. No. People getting fucked.
2: People, people. Oh, I'm sure there's all kinds of rules. Add on rules. Oh, my do. God. I
1: would love to see like a legit adult game of spin the <laughs> bottle, like where you are contractually obligated it's and horrifying. there's going to be horrifying shit happening. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. I'd love that. So probably I, I should go on Pornhub and look. There's probably some stuff on there. Oh, absolutely. There is. God bless. You me. know, there is. You know, that's right. You know, that's right. <laughs> all right, Dig. Thank you for your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you all out there for listening and for your support on Patreon or free feeds. We appreciate you either way. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Knockback is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded in Santa Monica, California, and the Philadelphia suburbs of Pennsylvania, USA. The show is produced by me, Colin Moriarty, and was conceived of by myself and Dagan Moriarty, who is also my co-host. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Dagan is on Twitter at Dagan 1973 and on Instagram at Dagan Likes to Draw. Knockback is edited by Dustin Furman. Any snail mail can be sent to our P.O. Box, P.O. Box 1233, Santa Monica, California, 90406. As you know, all things Collins Last Stand, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Saul Balcazar, Taylor Barkley, Adam Barnes, Martin Beck, Tyler Bello, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Eric R. Brown, Jason Budnick, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Nick C., Alex Cabrera, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Philip Crone, Daniel D'Amour, Colin Davenport, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Liam Fagan, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner Chris Galvin Connor Gashian Alex Gates Michael Gates Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem Tyler Goodwin Josh Gravelick Miranda Grubba Jonathan H Eric Harden Tyler Harris Kyle Hagel Shane Hendrickson Wyan Henry Robbie Hensley Scott Hernandez Asa Haas Johnny Humphrey Steven Insler Blake Israel Azan Isa El Ricey Josh Yeager Garrett Jagger, Joshua Johnson, Paul Joyce Greg Julitz Anton Kay Patrick Kelly Jeremy Key Antti Kinnanen James Kinslow III Ryan R. Kittredge Jackson Lostaqua Joe Lawson Don Q. Lee Matthew Lenz Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Scott Lovelace, Josh M, Kiet Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, Ross Maranca, Matt Martin, Sean Mason, Jordan Mouse, Zachariah McAdoo, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Raul Melendez, Andrew Mendoza, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Zach Parsley, Daniel Parsons, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Scholes, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Alex Schut, Glennon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Shane St. Pierre, Ahmad Tamar, Will Thielander, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Tremblay, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Connor Walton, Isaac Wasteman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, David Wright, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Bloody Fang, Organic Produce, Casual Misfits, Gaming, Homeworld Hub, Mason, Throw7, McDog 18, Infinite, Madmock Media, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Chris, Richter86, Hugo's Desk, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, and Rainick.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. <laughs>